You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since So, we are actually recording like we normally do, and we uh, both can uh, hardly believe it, really. So, if you're surprised, we're surprised. If this is your first episode, then, uh, you know, we got a long history of us <laughs> uh, having uh, scheduling conflicts, but this last couple of months has been, uh, yeah, it's just been a little rough. Let's just put it that way. So, we're, we're, we're back, and uh, we're good to go. And, uh, we're tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're up early, um, and we got, uh, we're going to do two shows this week. We were going to do two shows last week. Didn't quite work out. We're going to try to crank it off this week, see what happens. Yeah. Well, yeah, we probably do do that. But In a manner of speaking. Yes, indeed. Um, so, without further ado, uh, this week, um, I should say this is episode, what, 366? Is this 366? 366, Barbara Trek, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is an Arrow Video show with our good sponsor, Arrow Video, and we'll be covering uh, Blood Rage, or Nightmare at Shadow Woods, uh, from 1987, I believe, the magical year. The golden year, yes. <laughs> and, uh, oh, what was the other one? Oh, Recreascent, yes. Recreascent, Recreascent, Recreascent. Prayer for the dead. Yeah, the great title, but uh, never... Never, never as much fun to say as you would think, because <laughs> you're always you always end up saying it. Well, I mean, at least I do. You always end up saying it twice. Yeah, you're in your head. You're like, did I say that right? Even yeah. you see it, you're hurt. You hear it in the movie, and you're still yeah. not really on solid footing. And yeah. trying to remember how Lou Castell said it. Yeah, was it Lou Castell? Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah, it was. Um, but that is our big show this week. Um, we're going to get into what we've been watching, and I am going to lead on this uh, yeah. this week. Will's throwing down some uh, some nutritional cereal this morning and uh, sustenance. Yeah, don't blame me. I haven't ate yet. I'm having coffee, but uh, and we're going to split this up over two shows, obviously, because uh, I've watched a few things. I don't even remember what the last thing I talked about was. Um, 
Do you remember what I talked about last? I don't remember. Oh, man, if you don't remember, I sure as hell don't remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. If you uh, mention it, though, I'll go, uh, talked about it. Well, I mean, I know we've talked about it. That's the thing. I don't know if I've talked about it on recording. That's the other problem, right? Oh, I'll remember that. Okay. But you have to mention it first. All right. Um, watched uh, Sicario? Talked about it on the show. Oh, did we? Okay, okay. Yeah. Watched uh, Mad Max Fury Road? I don't think we talked about that. On the Not show. on the show, no. I didn't think we did. We um, talked about us. We drove on Fury Road. Yeah, we talked about. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the show. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I liked it quite a bit. I mean, it, it is really good. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, got caught up in the hype of it because it is something totally unique to uh, modern cinema, and that it it totally coming from uh, quote unquote Hollywood. It's you know, it is a pure action movie. I mean it. It really just starts and goes. And uh, really, in a lot of ways, kind of a reimagining of the Road Warrior uh, itself, the uh, the back end of the Road Warrior in an extended form. Still very impressive uh, from a filmmaker like George Miller, who, you know, went away from this type of genre for decades and came back with this kind of great imagination stuff uh, that only he has. I mean, uh, a lot of people have aped him. But uh, he really has this unique flair for this material <laughs> that is uh, unheralded, I would say. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some things in the Italian apocalyptic movies that I like more because they're just so you know cheesy and cheap sometimes. But um, Miller's stuff just has a feel to it that's kind of unreal. Um, but it is it is really good. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I don't know. I'm sure it'll make my top 30. Just don't know where uh, quite yet. Um, okay, I watched the one for the show. Uh, okay, I got a couple more here. I watched Gaspar Noe's Love. I th- did I talk about that on the show? I don't think I did. Not on the show. Okay. Only on the phone. Good old Gaspar. Had to, you know, had to cram that Gaspar. And uh, it was uh, re- it's good. You know, it's really good. Uh, I, it's not on the level of Irreversible and, and uh, Enter the Void for me. Um, but that's not a, a you know, a, a, a level below those two for me is uh not a bad thing uh gaspar's pretty great he's unique um this film's unique um for those who plan on watching it in any way shape or form away from the home uh be warned it it essentially would be considered pornography uh anywhere anywhere outside of the home uh i mean i don't really consider it pornography because it's kind of shot lovingly but it I mean, well, compared to <laughs> compared to modern pornography, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, it's not as gynecological as like you know your minor, minor your major pornography is nowadays. Uh, but it is essentially pornography, and it's uh, it's beautifully shot. It's it's very well done, and uh, in its own way, uh, this is a weird the weirdest thing I'll say, and the last thing I'll say about a Gaspar Noé film. It's very sweet. Yeah, it is. Um, watched a couple documentaries. Watched uh, Being Evil, which is about Evil Knievel. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I think mileage may vary uh, depending on how much you loved Evil Knievel uh, growing up or how familiar you are with Evil Knievel. Um, of course, it kind of gets into the details of the real man who uh, wasn't quite as nice or as heroic sometimes as uh, he was made out to be. But, hey, it was a different time. And yes. uh, Outside of that, I watched uh, Amy, which was really good as well. Uh, that was the Amy Winehouse documentary. Sad I didn't stuff. See, I, don't, I don't remember seeing that you caught that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sad stuff. Uh, you know, 
she was she seemed to be on a path, and that's the way this goes sometimes. And you know, it's just one of those things. You know, I, again, I'm I'm not a big fan. I know you like her music quite a bit. I I I, I, yeah. I liked it. Uh, didn't really, you know, it wasn't nothing I loved. But uh, sure. I hate to see anybody. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of people in their twenties go through a self destructive period or an invincible period. Um, luckily, I think most of us come out of it. Uh, if we, you know, go through it, you know, I'm not saying, you know, this type of indestructible, I'm just talking about, you know, drink a lot, smoke, blah, blah, blah. You know, a lot of us go through that. Yeah. We don't take Uh, care of our bodies. Yeah. Maybe do a little drugs here and there. You know, I mean, there's a lot of us that go through that, but a lot of us come out of that on the other side thinking, oh, you know what? That was cool, but (laughs) I'm done with that. Or, you know, Hey, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or, but unfortunately some of us don't and uh, it gets worse and, uh, that's, Basically, this is a really good example of a snowball, a uh, proverbial snowball going downhill. It just, uh, once it gets going, it's like two or three things that just keep it going, you know? Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, just when you think everything's going to be okay, another thing happens. And, uh, yeah, that's when, it, that's when it starts to get worse. It, it reminded me a lot of ways of uh, the Kurt Cobain documentary, Montage, of he- Montage, 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 Montage of Heck. <laughs> Recrescent, recrescent, montage, montage. Oh, it reminded me of that, though, that, uh, you know, success and stuff is fleeting. Uh, You know, your time in the spotlight is fleeting. How you handle it, because she handled it badly as well. Uh, Kurt Cobain didn't handle it very well either. These are private people who get thrust into the spotlight. Who are ill-equipped. And I think anyone is ill-equipped for the spotlight. But when you are really ill-equipped yeah if you're fragile to begin with and maybe you don't even know you're fragile um you find out very quickly and uh like i said some people come out the other side of that okay Uh, actually i'd say the majority do but unfortunately um some do not and so it's a pretty sad tale either way i felt uh genuinely i felt genuinely bad for her as did i of course but that's it. I'll save the uh, the other th- two or three for the uh, next recording. Nice. Okay. Ooh, I almost knocked my far- old Farvey bobblehead off my desk. Oh, no. That's an expensive bobblehead. And it's got real <laughs> turf. It's made out of, uh, not porcelain, like clay. Like, it's hand-painted. It's a limited edition. Man, I would have been sad if I broke that. Yeah, really, man. been a glum recording this morning. Would have been glum. <laughs> I'll tell you, it took me a long time to put that bobblehead back on my desk. <laughs> There was a healing process that, that <laughs> yeah. needed to happen. Yeah. Um, that moral, that moral yeah. conundrum. Oh, man, those are effort. <laughs> Didn't get past that. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> Tom, Tom, G, Tom DJ is somewhere laughing. He is. <laughs> he certainly is. Okay, Sue, I think that... I spoke about 100 yen love because I said you'd like it. And you go, yeah, yeah, it does sound up my alley. Yeah, I believe you did. So I watched something, and I don't remember what it was now. And I'm going I'm to Google it as we're talking. Yeah, forgive me. Oh, no, I talked about that as well. Did we ever find out what – remember we joked around. we ever find out what the key was? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was your vice. It's a locked yeah. room and only I have the key because yeah. it was such a long title. It fit over two lines. Yeah. So I think we, you you discovered that off the air. You uh, did your detective work and solved the case. Um, so I'm going to just go to a certain point here, maybe up to here. Okay, so I watched The Lobster. Did I talk about that on the air? 
you know what? I don't recall. Uh, I wish I could tell you I did, Will, but uh, that's okay, man. That's I know. Okay, I know man. we talked about it, but I don't. We know did talk it. about it because we're both fans of saying Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> I think um, maybe you did say. I think maybe you did say it on the air because I think I laughed about the name again. Yes. So I watched that, and then I watched Shrew's Nest. Shrew's Nest. Okay. Uh, Spanish film produced, I believe, by Alex de Iglesias or the Iglesia. I never remember if it's Iglesias or Iglesia. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I think I always say Iglesia. Iglesia, so. Iglesia. Um, this has most of his crew in it. Macarena Gomez. I still can't hear the name Macarena and take it seriously because of, if you grew up in a certain time frame, there was a song. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, it was at every wedding. It still every, is. It still is. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I was it's at a wedding uh, late last year, and yeah, that's entered the YMCA. Um, electric slide. Electric slide. Uh, Greece. I mean, it's entered that. And I love, you know, I love Greece. But uh, yeah, I like the electric slide. Thriller, but yeah, it's just you know, you know, you just hear them, and you're like, oh boy. Yeah, gas what is, noise. What is the other? What is different. what is the other one? Isn't there one with a? Isn't there a wedding song with a, a duck or something? I don't know. A duck. There's the chicken song. The there he is. There he goes. Yeah. yeah. So it's under that weird, awful realm. But uh, <laughs> what were we just? How did I even get to that? Anyway, uh, Shrew's Nest. So uh, this was very good Spanish kind of thriller. Um, kind of reminds you of, you know, what happened to baby Jane, uh, females in close quarters, there's a bit of mental breakdown, it gets very messy at the back end, <laughs> it takes place in 50s Madrid, in uh, Franco, Spain, so, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's a good one, it's a good one, uh, very messy at the back end, um, then I watched, oh, I think I did, because then I talked about Listen to Me, Marlon, uh, yeah, yeah. you didn't finish it. Yes, I didn't. Uh, Cartel Land, yes. yes, we talked about that. Glass Chin, I think I mentioned because yes, uh, you did. Glass yes, Chin, you did. yeah, because I watched for Corey uh, Stoll. Yeah, Corey Stoll. Stoll and uh, yeah, Billy Crudup can't really play a gangster all that well, but you know that's the way it goes. Uh, Macbeth. That's an interesting uh, actor, Billy Crudup. He really started out. I mean, I'm not saying he's doing bad work. I just haven't seen a lot of stuff from him lately that really has kind of shined. You know what I mean? Mm. He's a good actor. He is a, he is a good actor. I feel like he's in that limbo realm that Eric Bana finds himself in. Where yeah, that's good. I don't good think thing. Hollywood finds him bankable enough. I, although I think Bana's, and this is no slight to Crudup, I think Bana's a, a superior actor. Definitely, Bana's a great actor, but uh, he doesn't. Know how you, they don't know how to use him. But yeah, that was okay. Anyway, but Macbeth. Um, this film. Was one that uh, I, you know, I kind of I wanted to see. I wasn't, you know, dying to see it. But Scott of Mary with Clickers and Cat of Mary with Clickers, quite loved it. It's directed by Justin Curzel, who did, uh, um, oh goodness, a film that uh, the feel good film of the year a few years ago. Snowtown. Um, Snowtown. Snowtown. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's got. For my money, maybe the best working male and female actor right now, Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard. It's a good film. Interesting to see that adaptation. And Scott and I were talking about how it's bizarre that people kind of poo-poo uh, Shakespeare stuff. 
No, it seems. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's a well. It's got a reputation, so yeah, it sure yeah. does. But uh, and it takes somebody unique to kind of bring a unique perspective to it. So I'm interested in seeing that one, though. I think you dig it. I think you would. It's, it's it looks great. I mean, if nothing else, you know, even if you turned it down. Oh man, now I see he's attached to Assassin's Creed. Come on, man. Yeah, Don't go down the Fincher, the Fincher Road. I think Fassbender may have pulled him along with it. Oh fuck, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah man. Oh well, I mean, let's do one of them. One, maybe you know, maybe they'll get a good paycheck out of it and move on. And they can we do the old one for them, one for us. Yeah, I mean, sadly, right. you know, a lot of people have to do that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So anyway, um, did Hangong Ju, which is a South Korean film. Uh, it's about some tragic, a tragic sort of mystery surrounding a young girl. Well, younger, I mean, teenage girl, um, who leaves her home or is, has to leave her home because of a sort of mysterious incident that occurred. And it slowly gets doled out over the course of the runtime. Um, it's handled wonderfully. It's a very good film. I highly recommend it. It will be in my top 30. I'll say no more about it right now. Uh, next up was Marshland, one I'd heard about and I kind of forgot about. And our good friend Red Waffle reminded me to check it out for Cram. It's um, nice, the Red Waffle. The Red Waffle man. His uh, I don't know his man. Him and James is Manchester United. They've been waffling themselves lately. But anyway, um, <laughs> the Marshlands kind of like I guess the the snapshot would be. Uh, Red Riding trilogy, True Detective. I mean, it falls in that realm. Okay, it's a period piece, seventies again, Franco Spain, um, or maybe just post Frank. I forgive me, I don't know my my Spanish history like I should. Perhaps <laughs> um, feels like it's just post that world, or maybe just to, just towards the back end of that world, um, and some murders that are happening in rural Spain. Uh, beautifully shot. Um, well acted, it's a good one. Um, then I did a French film starring one of my favorite working actors, Vincent Lindon, uh, and it was Measure of a Man. If you like the Dardenne brothers, I think you'll dig this one. I think that if you get a chance to cram this, you probably should. No. I okay. think it, it, it would speak to you. Uh, I recommended it to Paul. Paul really liked it. Um, it's like a Dardenne brother film, very kitchen sinky realist, but it's about a guy in these. It's a, it's a simple story. I mean, it's not, you know, X Men, but uh, you know, well, I don't know if X Men. <laughs> yeah, X Men's over overly complicated, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. This is just about a guy living day to day, you know, trying to keep his head above water uh, with his family, and uh, yeah, <laughs> there's no uh, there's no juggernaut to contend with. Yeah, a juggernaut of a different kind, maybe, and, yeah, and three different timelines. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Lyndon wouldn't have made a bad uh, Wolverine. Now that I think about it, um, then I did uh, over your dead body. It's time to get some Mike up in this piece. Beautiful film. Uh, it's a little more glacial than his other work, but um, you know he he's still a master filmmaker, I think. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I finally got to see this one. I don't know where it'll end up. I might make the list. I might not. I did like it though. I did like it quite a bit. Um, I had a chance to go out with the missus, and uh, we went to see went to see a couple films. Went to see Animalisa. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. I'll say this. I don't think I liked it as much as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaufman's cool, but I'm glad Kaufman exists. 
in a creative sense, you know, and of course in a, in a human sense, like, <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. wipe off this planet. I'm glad he exists in a creative sense, that bastard. Yeah, yeah that's all. Just hook him up to an IV, have him churn out uh, scripts, <laughs> heady scripts. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting piece of work, and and you know, I admire someone who's doing things that are different, even if it doesn't totally work for me. I don't want to say it doesn't stick the landing because I'm sure it does for yeah, most. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Just, that's the way I am. Know. I mean, you know, not everybody works. I mean, I, a good example for that is me. Uh, for me, is uh, what? Uh, who we talk about? Uh, well, no, I don't think it's a good example. But Scott Cooper, the guy that did Black Mass and he did uh, Out of the Furnace and uh, uh, that Crazy Heart film with Jeff Bridges, he makes oh, it, yeah. he makes really interesting character based films. But for some strange reason, his films just do not. They, they fall flat. Yeah, they fall flat for me every time, which is why I've held off on Black Mass. I mean, I like Johnny Depp, but and the reviews reviews weren't great. But well, they certainly weren't. I mean, you know, Depp, I would watch it anyway, but I'm not going to cram it because I got a feeling that it'll it'll leave me cold, just like a lot of his films does. Yeah, and you'd think with that material and that cast, it should be like top five of the year. It's like, um, oh yeah, that well, mo- that uh, moonshine or bootlegging film from a few years ago with like Hardy and oh yeah, Lawless, yeah. Lawless, like that should have been. It was, I think it was a Hillco film. You think, man, this has all the makings of, yeah, you know, my favorite film of the year. And of course, it you know falls in like that weird kind of six to seven territory that is fine, but doesn't really light your world on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, just a couple more. I watched The Martian. Um, Teresa's choice wasn't my choice. I wouldn't have crammed it, but I figured, hey, why not? You know, it's gotten good reviews. Some uh, poopy potatoes. Yeah, I didn't dig this one. Um, I don't like poopy potatoes either. I certainly don't. Oh, yeah, there were. I guess that's funny, but I think that's kind of a good way to put this. I felt like I was eating poopy potatoes. No. That's I felt like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I can't really shoehorn a good uh, poopy potatoes. Uh, Large Williams analogy. review. I love it. It'd be on the cover of the next uh, the uh, the uh, Criterion release. Large Williams from GGTMC says, a poopy potato. It is a poopy potato. It's just, it's, it's to, for my money, it's... Very safe, very vanilla, on the nose. You get the the shots of the control room high fiving, the the shot of everyone looking sad in the control room when things go pear shaped. It just feels like it, it just it's the kind of filmmaking at my age, and this worked for a lot of people, and that's cool, man. But for me, I just don't want this. I don't have any interest in this. Mm. I don't need to see A to B. Matt Damon to me has become very safe in his choices. Everything he does seems to be safe to the point where. As good an actor as he is, and he seems like a good human being for whatever that's worth, I don't. It's almost like it becomes like a mark against the film if he's headlining it for me. Yeah, you know, it's like, man, come on, you're just like boiled. You're just like boiled water to me. Like, you know, there's yeah. nothing there. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I think this movie. I haven't watched it. I think the movie looks good. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it does look good. It does look well, good. It's a Ridley Scott movie, so it's going to look good. Um, but I just, you know, I don't know. Didn't, uh, it, it's not, uh, it's not drawing me toward it in no way. Your review doesn't change my own way one or another. I'll check it out at some point. I'll probably come across it someday, like when I'm in the mood to watch The Martian, but, uh, yeah. it just, uh, yeah, it just didn't draw my attention. I, I, I would really like, I would really urge you though. I'm not urge you. I'd be really curious someday though, on your take on the film that caused a lot of controversy. Prometheus? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see your yeah, thoughts on that. Yeah, I should see point. that. It's, I said to someone, you know, Ridley Scott's the guy that made 
arguably my two favorite, if you want to call Alien, if you don't want to split hairs and you don't want to call it horror, you want to call it sci-fi because it's certainly going to be called science fiction horror, right? But yeah. Blade Runner, for my money, is my favorite sci-fi film ever. And yeah. Alien's probably number two. It's in the top five or six for sure. So for a guy that started out that good, yeah. and then for me, like he's he's become synonymous for me with big budget vanilla Hollywood filmmaking. Yeah. You know, know, you, know what, I, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like some of his films and some of his modern films, but he, he seems like he's trying to make, I mean, he's an old man now. I mean, he's an, I'm, I don't want to say that in a bad way because I'm getting older myself, but he is an older man now. This is a gentleman in his 70s, I believe. Oh, wow. And uh, I, th- I feel like he's just trying to crank out as much as he can before he, you know, le- sheds his earthly coil. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. And, you know, I... Ooh. He's a bit of a prestige name. I don't know. I just like I said, it's not a bad film. It's definitely not a bad film. Xanadu on sale this week for nine ninety nine on Blu ray. You take a risk, man. Do a Xanadu. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ridley, do a Xanadu. Come on, <laughs> you got one in there. But I, I just feel like he is a talented filmmaker. But everything he does feels very safe and vanilla to me in Hollywood. And this is the kind of film that Hollywood likes because the grown ups can go see it and it can make some money back. And the, yeah, yeah, you know, it's got a good cast. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But as much as I maligned Interstellar. I prefer Interstellar to this, and Interstellar has its flaws. Yeah, sure. So anyway, I'll okay, see, I'll see. I'll see this at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Watch it with the wife. It's not bad in that sense. Yeah. Uh, last one I watched uh, that I'll talk about right now is Kumiko, the Treasure Hunter. Oh yeah, I wondered how this uh, if this floated your boat or if it did not. Yeah, it, it did. Uh, sad story. <laughs> it reminded me. That's an understatement. When you look in the real, like in the real case. Geez. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, ooh, I did too. Oh, I know. Man. Yeah, it really bummed me out. Um, I quite like this. You know what it reminded me of was uh, Stro- it reminded me of Herzog Strozik. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you know me, you know I like Strozik a lot. So uh, yeah, you can see where. You know, I, I totally agree with you. I didn't. I didn't comment on your Facebook post, but yeah, I totally agree with you. It reminds me of Strozik quite a bit. It does, which, um, yeah, so uh, it's funny, Rinko Kikuchi's become like the go-to Japanese actress when Hollywood wants to make a film with, with a legit Japanese actress. I know. It's, I like her, though. I She's good. I, yeah, I do, too. She can rock a, a holiday in comfort like it's nobody's business. She sure can. So She can work a, v- you know, she can work a VHS player like it's nobody's business. Yeah. She sure can. <laughs> she sure can. It's, uh, She's got that pause down. She's got that pause. Yeah, she does. I really, you know, also, you know, we're going to talk about her, but I really love the, um, I loved all the other small performances. The older woman. I thought it was funny how she gives her. Yeah, the, like the cop. Shogun three. Yeah. And the cop is one of the directors. I was about to say to you, the cop really was the the shining sort of supporting light for me. Yeah, he's one. He of puts the in a really nice little yeah. performance. He does. Totally Fargo esque in a weird way, and it's yeah, without feeling like it's aping that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's really good. Ernest, I, I was know, surprised when I looked at the cast, and I was like, oh, it's one of the, it's one of the, because it's a, it's a brother directing team. So yeah, yeah, he's really good. Like he's got a kind of humanity that, mm. yeah, I would have liked to have seen more with their, you know, with them. I, you know, and that but, that buffet restaurant in the middle of a, a really cold northern area, that moment feels so real to me. Like I mean, That's, I've been in that scenario before, where it's so cold, there's snow everywhere. There's the a only- Japanese woman trying to find <laughs> some treasure, and you're the only two people in the <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and you think to yourself, 
If only my life could be directed by two brothers right now and released on Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> give me some more Egg Fu Young while you're at it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It does feel real. It totally does. And I think a lot of the logic or the inner kind of logic feels real. Like the fact that they're in a small, small, small town. He takes her to the Chinese restaurant trying to get to see if they can communicate. And not out of any sense of, of racism, but mm-hmm. – what other choice does he have but to hope that this Chinese woman who owns the local buffet yeah. maybe speaks a word or two of Japanese? It's sound logic. It just, it, it just, yeah, it worked. It totally worked. Yeah, it's sound logic in a small town, northern, limited option kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sadly, so, if it was like you know, like Main City, people would be like, "Oh, what is this? This is our oh, This is prejudice. This is crazy." Yeah, she's exactly. clearly Japanese. That's right. I know. I get it. <laughs> That's right. We yes, we get it. But he has no other choice. He doesn't. That's right. So let's uh, we're going to jump off with that, I guess. Yeah, I'll we save will. The rest uh, okay. for the next. Cool. All right, we're going to take a short break, guys. So we're going to kind of we got an hour and a half here to crank off four movies. I don't know if this is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> try. All right, we're going to try. Uh, we'll be back right after this. This is Reb Brown. You're listening to Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Help 
recording we hope is uh we'll go chronological we didn't discuss which one we were going to do well so i'm just gonna throw it out there we're just gonna i'm gonna make i'm gonna make a a call i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna make a you know a judgment i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna do this man and uh, it's gonna be 1967's recrescent and i'm just gonna say it once and i'm gonna go with that and i'm gonna live with it even if it's wrong <laughs> yes um directed by carlo lazini lazani 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 who uh I don't know if we talked about this the last time we covered one of his films, but he died rather tragically. Ugh. I didn't know that. Yeah. He threw himself out of a window. Oh, goodness. Yeah. He's a tremendous director. He's one of the more underrated Italian directors for my money. I really love Latani. Yeah. Yeah, he lived to be 90-something years old. Something must have happened that he threw himself out the window. I, uh, I don't even want to – I didn't go into too much looking at it and stuff, but uh, – Only a couple years ago he died. Oh, man, he died on my wedding anniversary. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I remember he died, but I remember I didn't look into how or why. But I remember thinking, oh, he was an older man. He lived a nice long life. But uh, sadly, uh, toward the very end there, it really went, uh, oof, this scary stuff. Um, I mean, no offense, but you got to really be you got to really be down to throw yourself out of a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rest in peace, Carlo. But um, this film, uh, Spaghetti Western, released by Arrow. Uh, really nice release. Not a lot of bonus features on this. I'll go ahead and say that right up front. But this film looks really great on blue, and we'll uh, get into talking about it. So I'm going to throw it over to you, and let's rock and roll, man, as we used to say, or as I used to say anyway. Rock and roll. Hey. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it here. Uh, I, this was one that I had not seen. I mixed it up with um, what did I mix it up with? Now I think I think. I had never seen this or Cemetery Without Crosses, and I kind of would mix up the two together. Yeah, okay. So. Um, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I don't know why. I just knew there I was putting them out, and, you know, more kind of uh, artistic and cerebral spaghettis than, you know, because Italy, of course, turned out a bunch. Um, yeah, and I'd mentioned briefly a moment ago, Latani, I think he is one of the more underrated filmmakers Um to come out of the time. I was speaking to someone last night, uh, 
Maybe a couple of nights ago, speaking of Todd, and I'd mentioned Bitter Rice, his film, which is getting a Criterion release quite soon, and it's already on Hulu. So, nice. And Bandits in Milan, I think he was, for my money, the best early Eurocrime filmmaker. He's a political filmmaker. We we, we, we covered, uh, was it, uh, didn't he do Crazy Bull- Joe? No, didn't, didn't he do Bullet for the General? Didn't he do that one? Lincoln. Maybe he didn't. Yeah, he probably did. I think he did. did the Bandit, The Hills Run Red. Ooh, he made, he directed the, the Hills Run Red as Lee W. Beaver. Yeah. Ooh, Amazing that Ooh, uh, that that uh, questionable pornography surname. Yeah, <laughs> he's done a lot of great work. Um, Maybe he didn't do Bullet for the General. He's, yeah. No, that was Damiani. That was Damiani, which is oh, another right, great right. Italian political filmmaker. He was. For the, he did the some, I thought he did Barbation. something we did. Yeah. Well, he did Sam Babila, eight p.m. Teenage prostitution racket. Sam Babila is one of the the great underrated. Um, youth Gone Wild Eurocrime films, and there's a tremendous release of it from our good friends. Ooh. He did that uh, film, uh, that documentary of me when my drinking years called The House of the Yellow Carpet. <laughs> when, I, when I would miss that toilet. <laughs> Yo, that's a, you see, again, we get back to, to carpeted bathrooms. Bad move. Bad move. I grew up with one. Never, We'll never have one ever again. I don't blame you. It's so yeah. unsanitary. Grew, grew up with one. Yeah, bad move. Bad, especially with uh, three boys in the house. You know, my, me and my dad and my brother. Bad move. Yeah, I got young boys. I'm always keeping the Lysol wipes close by. Yeah, as much as us men, as much as us men like to be, uh, you know, noble and say we don't miss. Uh, yeah, we we still miss. You know. Yeah. And my son, of course, he's growing up. So and your kids as well. You know, they miss quite often. <laughs> They're not. Let's just say, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Hawkeye. They ain't. Yeah, they're they're as good at uh, pissing in the toilet as Gator was at driving away from Truck Turner. <laughs> yeah, at times it certainly feels that way when I'm cleaning the sides with the Lysol wipe. And <laughs> if there were fruit stands in the bathroom, <laughs> oh man, yeah, it would be. Uh, they'd be uh, getting taken down. I felt like it's we true. did. I felt like we did a lasagna film, and now I'm looking through here, and, and we haven't. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, Sam Bob, I want to say is camera obscure. I want to mention, make yeah. sure I mention them because you know they're doing tremendous work. But one of the reasons yeah, I, 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 I like want the, you to lead on this one is I've I've been forthrighting over the years we've been doing the show that this is one of my top ten favorite spaghetti westerns. Oh, nice! So okay, cool. I'm curious to see what you think of it. Anyway, cool, cool. Okay, so um, yeah, got a great opening theme. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. The opening for this is one of my favorite openings in a spaghetti western. The way it, it, it's this major standoff with the Mexicans and the Americans, and of course, like you said, Lizani, um a political filmmaker. You you can have the Mexicans standing in for Southern Italy, and of course, the Americans being Northern Italy. Yes. Um, and let's give it up too. Of course, uh, this is our Arrow show. The Blu-ray looks amazing. It does, man. It looks so good, in fact, that Mark Damon's makeup is almost a distraction sometimes. Like the, He almost looks like, like Bella Lugosi or <laughs> or like a, a, a hammer horror villain. You know what I'm talking about? The yeah, main, he does. The main he's heavy? Yeah. yeah, no, he does. He does, for sure. Because he's got such great eyes and a great face. And the depth, too, looks really good with some like the oh, mountain yeah. ranges and the exterior stuff. I mean... And, it remind- and then the detail with some of the interiors, it yeah. looks really good. And it reminded me why now Abel Ferrar uh, cast uh, uh, Defoe as Pasolini, because, man, looking at Pasolini in this film, he looks like Defoe. They look like him, sort of. I'd really yeah. never noticed how much until I watched this Blu-ray. No, no, it's true. It's very true. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, you see that opening. The opening's amazing. Uh, it, just the way it's shot, and it really sends a very clear message. 
um, about whose side we're on and the intentions of, uh, and, and, and forget even looking at the subtext, the political or the social subtext, looking at it just from a standpoint of a spaghetti Western, it sets it up pretty deliciously. Oh, yes. So, and, uh, you know, and of course, yeah, the 50 cal comes out and, you know, but it's a brutal kind of powerful betrayal. And I think it's worse than just straight ahead bloodshed because we, along with the Mexicans, are given a false sense of security of peace. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, stuff goes sideways. And the kids get, I think, you know, Litsani beats uh, Carpenter by like a decade, have, has a kid shot. This kid shot in the forehead. Yeah. Or no, no. Is he shot? Yeah, he's shot in the forehead. He gets, what is oh yeah, the kid comes at him with a machete. He gets shot in the forehead. So. <laughs> He beats Ice Cream Girl in Assault by a good decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Riz Ortolani did the score. Ortolani is, of course, one of the masters, one of the maestros. Yes, indeed. His score is very good in this. Um, I like, too, some of the uh, – It's been a, now it's been probably about what? How long has it been since we've watched this? Like three weeks maybe? Yeah, three weeks to a month. So yeah, some of these, some of the minutia here, I'm, I've scribbled down. Just I can't uh, put it together. But um, I liked some of the, some of the exchanges between the people. Some of the smaller sides. It, it feels like this feels, and I think this goes a long way towards you getting behind the struggle uh, and the the ups and downs of uh, the characters. These the small exchanges feel real. Like there's a moment when. Though there's a father, I think it's a father character, and he flashes a mirror with, at his son or something like that. And it, it, I just found some of the small exchanges help to breathe life into the characters in the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and back to Orlani's score for a minute. One of the reasons I like it too is it's not just kind of a f- charge ahead uh, American crooning uh, an Italian spaghetti thing. There's moments when it feels like there's a real sense of melancholy, which goes hand in hand with the film because this is. At times, you know, you could put this in with stuff like The Great Silence and some of the other kind of doomed um, spaghettis, right? Yes. There's a lot of awful things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of ways to get a horse to, to hurry up, to, to, you know, to, <laughs> yeah. But in this, we get frying pan to horse's ass. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great. I'd uh, never seen that before. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. If you don't have it any does spurs, make sense. It's a yeah. flat, uh, flat yeah. object. And now, you know, it's funny. You would have thought that maybe we would have seen that in like a Spencer and Hill film. Yeah, yeah, that's what it feels like. It's a weird. It's a weird kind of comedic moment in a very serious uh, spaghetti western. It is. Uh, this is 1967. So I mean, this is kind of the the back nine for the genre, right? They'd been coming since what 61, 62. Yeah. I'd say really so, like between 64 and 67 are probably the, the golden years for the... The golden years, yeah. yeah. I would say that's fair, right? Because then you got to figure like, yeah, by like... Yeah, by this time, I mean, they're really starting to... I, I don't know. I'm curious off the top of my head if, if you can think of like a, a, one of the great spaghettis that was made, say, 1970 onward. I don't know if you can think about that, but... Um, oh, I'm sure I could come up with something. Yeah. Uh, Castell, we didn't talk about <laughs> Not that. Not at 5.30 cast. in the morning. On <laughs> Not at 5.30, man. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. You're throwing um, me on that Lee W. Beaver frying pan. That Lee, yeah. <laughs> um, where are we here? Wake up and die. Sorry. Yeah, we there should say is. that is the alternate title to this film, Wake Up and Die. <clears throat> is it? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, no, 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 it's not. Uh, there's another title to it, though. Okay, I'm glad I asked. No, no, no. 
Jesus, what am, what am I thinking this morning? <laughs> You're thinking about frying pans. I've lost my fucking mind today. Um, uh, kill and Pray but, is what the, is the other title. Fuck. You see, you're not the Wake Up and Die, Kill and Pray. I mean, I, I could see it mixed it up. But Luke Castell uh, playing Jeez. the titular Requiescent, uh, which we should say means Prayer for the Dying in En Francais. Oh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's our lead, and he's very baby-faced. And I think that works well. There's a boyish innocence to him. He's kind of this... He's the reason why I confused uh, that uh, Lazani with a bullet for the general because he was in a bullet for the general, right? He was definitely yeah. that. I'm right about yeah, that. Yeah, he was. He works a lot too. He still works today. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's uh, yeah, certainly a little more gray, but um, he more, works well. Almost, this, almost like platinum. In, Did you see the interview with him on here? He's always I, he's got like a platinum hair. It's very strange. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I saw that. It kind of threw me off. Um. He's got a boyish innocence, which works well, yes. you know, again yes. with his character. Uh, Mark Damon, it, I think it's wonderful. It's kind of the dandy villain. In the piece. And he is one of the worst villains in Spaghetti Westerns. And when I say worst, I mean like the nastiest. Oh, yeah. He's he's he's, he's awful. <laughs> he, awful. He is a terrible character. And, uh, of course, Mark Damon, I've talked about him. I think I've talked about him before. He went on to have a, uh, a really great career as a, a producer. And he's still yeah. producing films to this day. He produced such films as Das Boot and... Uh, Things like that. Uh, yeah, he's still, you know, still working out there and produced 56 films. And just recently, well, he'll have uh, one this year called Blind, which has uh, Demi Moore and Alec Baldwin in it, I guess. Uh, so he's still working. Yeah, he certainly is. Um, outside uh, of him, produced Paul uh, Pasolini, of course, the, like we mentioned. He produced which a never-ending story for you. There you go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> nice. As Father Juan, a bit of a revolutionary but passive priest. Yes. Uh, Franco Citti, who, you know, a good character actor, Nino Davoli, or Ninetto Davoli. Um, a lot of faces that are more familiar. The women in the film, I, I will say this, not to sound shallow, but I think they're all beautiful and I think kind of embody the tragedy of the story really well. Like, I think this is one of the few spaghetti westerns where I've stopped and thought about how awful women had it back then. Oh yeah. Yep. There's a lot of misogyny. Women are looked at lower than horses by the, by the heavies in the film. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it's one of the first times I gave pause to that. Um, it's a man's world in this film. Yeah. It's a man's world. Yeah. And not in the James Brown sense. sadly. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) So, we're talking. Um, we're talking about the song there, not James Brown's personal man's world. Correct. Opinion. Correct. Yes. We're talking about the song. We're talking about the song. Yes, they might you clarified that. Yeah. We don't want anybody to think that you supported uh, James's. Uh, <laughs> the God, yeah, the Godfather of Soul. He may have been the Godfather of, you know, a man. Uh, yeah, well, never mind. I'll just. Of, I'll drop. I, yeah. Um, I uh, think so, you know what's great too. There's a great line about freedom and you know, the end of slavery and Southern aristocrats and Northern Democrats and you know just really good stuff. You know, really good stuff. Um, what is this? Oh, I don't know what that says. Uh, I, there's some moments too about faces being quote unquote too dark, which again looks at sort of the racism. Oh, I think Castell's told he's too dark. Yeah. But again, it's that that racism that was so ramp in italy at the time yeah so we, we should say i don't know if we said that, that the massacre that happens at the oh, beginning did we even synopsize this i don't think we did no we didn't <laughs> well let's synopsize it quickly to bring it right, up to yeah, speak midway through the review the uh, son of a mexican bandit comes upon a village that is under the thumb of a deranged former confederate officer who is among other things 
stealing land from the locals with phony land grants. Man, yeah, I like the phony land grants. But uh, yeah, so Castell's character is a survivor of this uh, massacre that happens at the beginning of the film. That's right, and he goes on to forget it, but is uh, kind of brought back to it through uh, circumstances. And uh, you know, you know, it, it, like I said, there are some comedic moments uh, because of the frying pan, but also the fact that Castell is not a he's he's not a he's a natural with a gun in the sense that. But he's not a natural gunfighter. No, he's not a natural gunfighter at all, but he's a natural with a gun. Like, he he doesn't miss. But in that, like, Terrence Hill way, it's not fast, but it's like he he shoots and then he looks at the gun like, whoa. But it yes. kind of comes off in his mind because he's raised by religious uh, people who find him uh, wandering in the desert. He uh, he feels like he's the, it's the hand of God. So That's right. He's very humble, uh, doesn't dress in nice clothes. Yes, wears a rope belt, which is a, which is a full pond GGTMC land. <laughs> you got to up your belt game if you're wearing a rope <laughs> for a belt. Um, good production too. I want to say that uh, Litsani, of course, was a bit of a more he was a more prestigious filmmaker. Worked with Rossellini and whatnot, and so he had the money, and it shows. The film looks great. The costumes look great. The interiors look great. They don't look sort of cheap and sparsely dressed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the film really, really looks good. Um, there's a really great scene. I think one of the high. This is one of the better kind of uh, dick swinging shootout scenes I've seen with uh, with the candles. Oh yeah, it's great. It's fantastic where they're drinking and they're shooting, and it, it's. I don't want to give away too much, but it is a fantastic scene. And um, there's a couple of great scenes in this that are very memorable. That one and the the footstools is great. Oh man, the footstools. <laughs> that, that feels like something Tarantino or someone of oh, his yeah. ilk would. Yeah, well, I mean, he, this is one of his favorites, Spaghetti Western Jazz, so you could see I could it. see that. Yep. I could see that, absolutely. And, you know, another thing I like, too, is it, it really becomes clear that in that scene when the Baron and uh, Castello are having that shootout with the candles, that the Baron wants to win. Not only does he want to win, but he wants to win because he feels it's his right and it's his lot in life. And because Castello is a Mexican, that he should win. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a despicable so, bastard. So, yeah. He's a, oh, just a gross human being. Yeah. Um, I gotta ask this: Who names their daughter Princey? <laughs> I don't know. That's a bad name. No offense if we have any female listeners named Princey. I know, <laughs> or if we have any male, if, or if we have any male listeners named Princey. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you another line that kind of sent a chill down my spine was when one of the and I think all the even like the, the lackeys in this are really awful too. One of them says, "I've I've never scalped a white woman before, and it would be a new experience." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just it's pretty awful. Oh man, yeah, it totally is. It totally is. But and I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean that, that that one character. He's kind of he, he's really down down in the uh, the cast notes or in the cast. Ferruccio Viotti, uh, who plays Dean Light. Dean Light's a a pretty good henchman. He's uh, he is he is he. I really like him. I like that every time they talk to him, they say Dean Light. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Night. He's really good, though. Yeah, he is. He's, he's kind of really, like, he's a great second in command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and he really gets kind of overlooked in the movie a lot. And but he he is a I really like him. The the blonde hair. He's very despicable in in his own way, and it goes well with the Mark Damon uh, George Ferguson character uh, that he's got. There this almost kind of seems to be. Sorry to cut you off, but there almost seems to be. A bit of a homoeroticism between those two. I don't know. Potentially, potentially, I could. I don't see know. 
But I'll tell you what's great. Uh, did I sorry? Did I, sorry, did I totally steamroll you? Were you about to say something else about? Uh, about no, him? no, 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 no. I'm okay. He did. Uh, he was in Day of Anger too. We should say, but the last two films he did both had amazing titles for different reasons. His second last film was called Sex of the Witch. Yeah. And his last film was called You Are a Traitor and I'll Kill You. <laughs> so wake West? up and die. No, kill. What is it? Wake up. No, no. I don't know what it's it called. Like, Forget it. That's a Western. I don't know. Uh, it, like it has to be. Spanish Western. I, I, never, I never saw that. You are a traitor, and I'll kill you. I like it. It's a good title. Good title, yeah. Yeah, it's very direct, man. Um, you know who I felt should have been, like, who could have fit in very well? Another guy that plays a lot of uh, kind of heavies is Luciano Rossi. And if oh, yeah. people yeah. don't know his name, they can Google Luciano Rossi, and they'll see, you know, Death Walks on High Heels, and they call me Trinity, see Living Dead. You know, very memorable. In fact, I think there's a cool little boutique label that put out a book about him uh, and his, his career. But yeah, I really like the heavies in this. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here, just when zipping through stuff in the interest of time. I thought the night stuff is well shot. It's very moody, but again, it looks great. Um, a couple nods to John Ford with some of the shots, the you know, over the shoulder coming out of the doors to the brightness. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good call. Which I like. Uh, corruption of officials, which, again, commentary on society I like. Um, no JMB. I guess this is, this is pre-Justerinian Brooks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that's the way it goes. The new scene we spoke about. Spoke about is we spoke about. <laughs> yes. Uh, we spoke about his great macho. It's tense. It's well shot. I love the bartender. And that scene, I feel like, is really, and I mentioned Tarantino, it is just stretched out to almost unbearable limits. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really great. I mean, uh, I'll be forthright in saying this my make or break, but it's uh, it's very, very well done. Uh, it's a great example of editing and pacing and master filmmaking, uh, the way they, 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 they carry it out. But also, like like you said, that, uh, that target uh, competition is also done that way. There's those two great moments yes. of kind of... Uh, they're kind of stretched out just far enough to be bearable and unbearable, like right to the limit. And uh, those are really two memorable, very memorable moments in this film, which I think has you know quite a few memorable moments. As as time has gone on, rewatching this, I was like, wow, you know, I, I forgot all about some of this stuff. But now, once I see it, I'm like, oh, that, that, I still got that one part to come and that other part to come. And I was like, man, there's a lot of really good moments in this. Yeah, there is. There is, and I love the fiery shooter at the end. It really does feel like hell on earth, kind of like what was it, High Plains Drifter? Yeah, it feels a bit like that. And I want to say at this moment, I never, I forgot about this note when you mentioned about the pancake makeup on the Baron. It almost feels like Litsani, and I think the maids could be because the Blu-ray, right? But it feels almost like it's it's like a like it's meant to be theatrical. It's meant to sort of make him look like the devil in sort of a stagey way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe nope. not. Maybe it was just dumb luck because they, he never realized that no, I would, high resolution. Don't, I don't put that past him because, you know, I mean, the way... filmmaker. Yeah, that and, you know, not to give anything away, but the way that ends, you know... Uh, well, I, don't, I won't give it away because I think the ending's pretty powerful stuff. So maybe off the air yeah. I'll talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think one of the reasons Pasolini, because he was very much a man of contradictions. Um, he took the role as a priest because of the hypocrisy, right? A yes. priest who's a passive. Um, yeah, if you know anything about Pasolini, passive revolutionary. <laughs> he, he had some conflicts and some contradictions with his beliefs. Yes, uh, certainly. Um, he has. He has to me the the best line of dialogue in the film. He's uh, the the lines at the end that he says pretty much sum up the whole movie, and they're pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, it was certainly they're great. 
Um, even the ending for our villain is just, he's just gross even in, in the end. He's so gross and he talks about how he wants to die like a gentleman. He can only be judged by his peers. And yeah. there's a great stone cold line when, when uh, someone says, gentlemen die like other men. Yes, it's great. And uh, my last note is, I'll tell you what, man, Castell, you may not be uh, Gerardo when it comes to the women, but you got to get homegirl up on that horse at the end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're letting her walk beside you? Come on. Yeah. Let's go, man. I feel like he's like a spaghetti western hero who's who's still in training. <laughs> yeah, he is. He totally is. you got to help her up, lift that boot up, get her up there, mm-hmm. and then roll. Yeah. Roll out. <laughs> but uh, those are all my notes. Nice. Yeah, I won't get into the cast and crew too much since you pretty much covered all the, the uh, same folks. The only one I wanted to get in there, make sure we talk about, was Dean Light because uh, I'm glad you did. He is yeah, really good. He's he's a really great like second henchman or first henchman, first first man in charge type uh, deal. Um, this is very much one of those political spaghetti westerns. It's one of the best of the bunch too. I mean, it's right up there with Bullet for the General and um, what's that other one we were talking about uh, covering? I can't remember off the top of my head, but well, we'll get to it at some point, I'm sure. Uh, Luke Castell, he he is great. He he has the, you're right. He has this boyish kind of innocence to him, and he's perfectly cast in this. Uh, in this, uh, <laughs> I spocked about that earlier with the yeah. with you. <laughs> Neither one of us can talk this morning. Um, but that innocence really kind of shines through, and uh, his character arc is very nice. You can tell by the end of the film that he's really you know his he's matured and grown and and been heartbroken and you know. All those things you can see it in his face. Uh, he has that kind of face where he can really kind of show emotion. Um, but I like that he's, uh, you know, that people not only himself but the other people see him as kind of like a force of God in some ways. He's, uh, you know, and, you know. Of course, he says the little prayer every time he, you know, puts someone down. So it's a nice little touch. Uh, again, we talked about Mark Damon. He had quite the career in exploitation films. Went on to become a very successful producer. Um, like I said, still working today. Still looks good today too. He's uh he's an old older gentleman, but he's still uh uh he's uh, the silver fox. Got the silver fox look going. Big uh, time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what is this that that contact that contest scene? Oh, okay, yeah. The contest scene is a good example of the kind of dark and fun spaghetti touch, along with the kind of footstool scene they, 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 they kind of borders that line and you can yeah, see does. where somebody like quentin tarantino or alex cox this is both oh totally for both of those guys this film's on their top 10 spaghetti westerns i think and you can see where that kind of comes from because they both have a dark sense of humor mixed with you know a dark Violence. sense of yeah a reality right so yeah a reality yeah. it kind of comes in there and you can see that they both uh quite appreciate this film this one isn't as quite you know, I don't think anything's as kind of grim as The Great Silence. I think that's about as grim no, as it gets. That's as grim as it gets. But this does have its moments. And I do think that I do think that Lazani was kind of going for a kind of vampiric, kind of gothic look for Damon because his character is so terrible. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like it felt like it with his costuming yeah, and, and, he, and he the feeds, pancake makeup. Yeah, and he feeds off of other people and he's just yeah. he's so despicable. I mean, I just feel like he kind of was because nobody else looks like him in the film. Nobody else really kind of looks kind of you know, kind of undead, so to speak. And even uh, the way his eyes were, like, he had kind of, like, go, not gaunt, but his, it, it just, it did really strike me, yeah. especially in that last scene, how mm. vampiric he was here. Yes. And like I said, Pasolini's given some uh, kind of great moments, but he's really kind of given this kind of great uh, one or two lines toward the end that kind of sum up 
uh, some political ideas that Lazani's trying to get across. Uh, again, it's not hitting you over the head, but it uh, it is poignant what he says. And uh, again, I won't give it away. The ending is great. Uh, it pays off very well to go with these like oh, yeah. three or four really great scenes in the film, and you get a great ending. Um, you get a great score. I mean, it's got it's it, it really kind of ticks all the boxes, in my opinion, of what the genre was capable of. Yes, and uh, it really, really works. I mean, I, I wish there was more special. I mean, not, not to not to harp on Arrow because they did a great job with this, but I I wish. Unfortunately, I think of course a lot of people were are gone. I wish they could have got Mark Damon. I don't know if they get. I don't know if they did get Mark Damon. Maybe they. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't think they did because they get the the archival. Litsani interview, Castell's newer interview, and then the, there's the booklet and the trailer. But it's too bad Damon, you know, especially being um, not especially being, but being American, you know, would have been you, you know, maybe they could have sourced someone to get him. But maybe he just he didn't want to partake. Who knows? But it yeah. would have been interesting to see the both sides of the coin, the Castell interview and then the Damon interview, because yeah. especially being a producer now, maybe he would have had some sort of retro insight into the whole process, right? Or Litsani yeah. as a filmmaker. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, it's it's really. Well handled, and uh, I think, it, like I said, I think it's one of the best of the spaghetti westerns that were made. Oh, nice. uh, period. I do. Uh, I don't know where it would stand in my top ten if I made one, but uh, it's in there. It's in there with the with the Sergios and the uh, nice the others. Um, quite a bit. And the Damianis. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's in. It's in there. It's in there. I ought, cool. I ought, I ought to really make a top ten spaghetti western list sometime. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see that because something I hadn't seen, I would want. Well, to there's see. still a, a few that I've been meaning to see for years that I haven't ever got around to. That What's are the on. Big one? Do you have Do you have one big one that you think, man? How have I not seen this? Uh, yeah, and I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head. I think it's called Shit. I'll look it up while you're giving your while you're giving your uh, cool. ratings That's, and stuff. Did we do Compañeros on the show? We did, right? With with Zeke, right? Oh yeah, no, not not Compañero, not, not with Zeke. We did both for the general Zeke. Oh, yes. Did we do Compañeros? I can't remember if we had. Yeah, we did. We did. We did it as a diabolic show. Man, we've done so many spaghettis. No, not enough. And yet, not enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so make or break the opening. There's like three or four or five. This is the mark of a really great film. There's three or four or five amazing scenes in this film. But the opening really set the tone for me in terms of the the violence and how awful the heels were. Mm. So I like that opening. My MVT, I'm going to go with the screenplay, man. Actually, do I want to go with Lizani? No, I'm going to go – well, I guess – you know, I'm going to go with Lizani, man. It's his It's his rodeo. He gets the performances. I think he had a hand in writing the film, so I'm going to go with him. And my score for the film is an 8 out of 10. This is a very good spaghetti. Once, I guess, you reveal your score, you'll I – think, I think I gave – Cemetery Without Crosses, I think, an 8.25 maybe, but I'm glad I finally got to see these two because they're both really great films. Like I said, this is a handsome production, so um, I'm glad I got to see this, man. I feel like Spaghetti, sometimes I don't push the forefront as much as I'd like to when I watch them. We've been fortunate through Arrow to do a lot of really great ones lately that they've put out that that deserve uh, the love of genre film fans. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, the other two are the Dirty Outlaws and Machine Gun Killers. Those are two that I've been wanting to see that I've never seen. And uh, ah, okay, another one called Adios Gringo. I think and, I might have seen Adios Gringo, but I've never seen the other two. And the Deserter. The Deserter is another one that I have. The seen. Deserter. I'm a Deserter of a different kind, man. I get down with the whipped cream, the Deserter, yeah. cheesecake. <laughs> 
that's that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. The deserter has deserters, uh, uh, deserter has uh, <laughs> Chuck Connors and Richard Crennan. Ricardo Montalban's in there as well. Oh wow! Slim Pickens, Woody Strode, little John Houston. What a cast! <laughs> yeah, we should do that. Bert stuff. Kennedy, yeah, directed it. Yeah, we should. Bert Kennedy. I think he was an American director uh, who uh, I think it's kind of it's kind of a late cycle. Well, it's a very late cycle. I think it's like nineteen sixty nine, seventy, seventy one, somewhere. Right. Seventy. Oh yeah. wow! That that answers the other question too. Yeah, right, it stars an actor. I think it stars somebody. It stars somebody odd, like somebody they were trying to make a star or something. There's a Serbian actor in it. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's because there's uh, some some Serbian direction uh, on the back end from another director. I believe it. Uh, Burke Kennedy and some of that guy did something together. That deserter poster is incredible. It looks almost like Milian. Yeah, we should do. He's we got. Should, we should do his that eyes. Oh my god! Have you seen that poster where he's got the? He's holding like the thing of the wad of dynamite. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it in a long time. But uh, I do know what you're talking about. What a fucking awesome poster that is! Yeah, I've never seen that one, but it it, it makes it makes some list. So cool. I'd like to see, but yeah, I've I've had those written down for some time. I've never got around to them. So anyway, uh, MVT. Uh, I'm gonna go Lazani. Yeah, I'm gonna go with him. Uh, Castle's Castle's great. Uh, Damon's great. The story's great. Uh, cinematography's great. The score's great. Um, it's a great spaghetti western. But I so I'll give it all to Lazani here. Uh, my make or break is the footstool scene. So great. Uh, again, very um, complimentary to modern cinema, and especially certain filmmakers, if you know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. my score is an 8.25 out of 10. Nice. Okay, so I wasn't far off you then. Yep. It's really good stuff, man. One of the best, it in my is. opinion. So <clears throat> yeah, definitely check it out and definitely purchase it, man, because even though it doesn't have a whole lot of features on it, it's really, really good looking on blue. And, it looks uh, good. It sounds good. Yeah, oh, yeah, it does. Which are really, I mean, that's really what it's all about, right? Like yeah, everything ultimately. else is just yeah. icing on the cake. It's just gravy. 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 Are you talking about icing on the cake, you damn deserter? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Not to rush here, but we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Blood Rage from 1987. We'll be back right after this. Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad, and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker, the wit of Mark Hamill's Joker, yeah. and the laugh of Cesar Romero. <laughs> the bad. He's bald, he's got a cat, he lives in a volcano. What else you need? And the odd. I've that seen bits great. of it, it's really stupid. Swear to me. Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www. The good, the bad, and the odd.com. What a beautiful podcast. Makes me realize 
is Blood Rage from 1987, a.k.a. Nightmare at Shadow Woods. And I'll say a.k.a. because, uh, if you well, first of all, if you look at the IMDb, it'll show you uh, Blood Rage, 87, but it'll also show you a poster, a black and white poster, Some Things Never Rest in Peace, uh, from uh, Nightmare at Shadow Woods. <laughs> so this is a uh, slasher film from uh, 1987, very late cycle slasher. And I think there's a reason for that, which I'll kind of get into. Um, yes. Do you want to synopsize? Or you want me to synopsize it and go? I'll, I can synopsize. Okay, cool. Yeah. As kids, Todd is institutionalized for murder, whilst his twin goes free. Ten years later, on Thanksgiving, <laughs> Todd escapes, and a killing spree begins in his neighborhood. <laughs> it should say in his apartment complex, because that's what it really in is. His, <laughs> yeah, let's just say in his apartment complex. Yeah. This is this is great. This is one of those this is one of those unique slashers in a way. It's a it's essentially an apartment complex slasher, uh, which it doesn't feel very much like a regional slasher film. It really does. It really does. It feels like an ultra cheap regional slasher film, but it has a charm. It has a it, it has definitely a, has a charm. It has a weird charm to it that uh, I'll kind of get into here. 
okay, so the cast and crew, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. John Grismer directed this. Uh, he uh, also has a commentary I didn't get to listen to, but I really want to listen to. He only did a couple things. He did this in a film called False Face. Which AKA I've, Scalpel, yeah, which, uh, man, I think I really want to see that. I have never seen it. so Nor have I. I'd like to check it out at some point, too. Oh, my God. A psychopathic plastic surgeon. This Oh, this is it very much. Eyes without a face. A psychopathic plastic surgeon transforms a young accident victim into the splitting image of his missing daughter. Yep. Well, it's, it's kind of a slightly reworked eyes without a face. Yeah. It's got an actor in it named Larry Quackenbush. So we got to get on. <laughs> no, it, oh, my God, it does. <laughs> it does. So we got to get on that soon, man. Cause that's Mimi that, Haunts. Ooh, Larry Quackenbush worked quite a bit. He was, he's in some Bud Spencer films. Ooh, nice. Oh, Larry. What's the? Larry Quackenbush. <laughs> Man, he did he did some odd films. Murder in a Coweta County. Yeah. What's this? Night Shadows, nineteen eighty four. Did you see this poster? Yeah, I did. What a bizarre poster. Like that has Bo oh my god! <laughs> it has Wingshauser, Bo Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the poster having it had Bo Hopkins in it. I remember that. Quackenbush. <laughs> Larry Quackenbush. Ooh, it also has an act. That one has an actor named Ralph Redpath. Must be a Ralph Redpath, Native American actor, maybe. It must Ooh, be is that, that, or, is that, that or a direct, sugar baron. Is that directed by Judd uh, Bud Car- Bud Carlos? <laughs> Judd Nelson? No, no. <laughs> I want to be forthright and say we plan on recording two shows this week. I'm going to say this now because I'll forget if I don't. Uh, we're going to take a little bit more of our time. We're going to breathe here because we were going to do two shows, as we said in the beginning. We always <laughs> well, didn't we do that last week too? Yeah, well, we're going to yeah. do two shows, guys. Yeah. In reality, Will and I can never talk about films. And, I mean, Four films in 90 minutes. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So no. it's, it's not the show. It's not the spirit of the show. It's not us. So we cut that shit out. We're going to see if we can try to get another show and record it later this week. But this morning, we're going we're gonna to go with our normal routine. Or, and that, that's our routine right here where we get sidetracked by stuff like Night Shadows. With buffoonery and, and, and quack and bush talk. And- <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's directed by Judd Bud, uh, John Judd. John Bud Cardos. I said it again. <laughs> yeah, John Bud Cardos. J- Judd the Chud, Bud's cousin. <laughs> yeah. Or Bud the Spud, if you're a fan of Stompin' Tom, you're yeah. in Canada. <laughs> Ketchup loves potatoes. Judd, Bud, Judd, Judd loved that quacking bush. So, yeah, don't we? Oh. So, yeah, we might uh, we might end up covering all of John Grismer's uh, filmography at some point. I would like to see this whole look Yeah, looks good. <clears throat> yeah, but this does have a very much a regional feel. I believe it was shot in Florida. It feels Floridian, which is interesting because another film we were going to talk about on the other show was shot in Florida, and yeah, it, does, it was. And Florida has a certain feel to it. If you've ever seen uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis films, yes, or some of that stuff, that regional Florida stuff, it really has a certain kind of unique feel to it. That it, that it's not quite Hollywood, no pun intended, but it, it's uh, it's. It's interesting. It just always has a, you know, I think of, you know, like Porky's and things like that. I mean, the Florida just has an interesting feel on, on camera, I think. And not to not to sound like a kind of pseudo intellectual in terms of the inner workings of film production. But if I had to make a leap of faith, I would say, you know, Florida, there's a lot of retirees, people maybe with a lot of extra money kicking around. You know, so guys have too much time in his hands. He ends up producing a film, kicking some money in for a film and. There you have the regional Florida f- film industry, right? But it's yeah. funny now in this in this era of boutique labels and so forth. There seems to be a disproportionate amount of the two areas. I feel like and feels this way, whether or not it's true, or that seem to have really strong regional filmmaking yeah. were upstate New York and Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's true. No, I think about it too. 
Um, so we should be forthright in also saying that this film was originally shot in 1983. Okay, so it didn't get released till '87. So in some ways, even '83 is kind of late cycle, kind of heart of the slasher. Yeah. Um, because it was like, you know, 80, 1979 to about 82, 80. Yeah. So 84, maybe, in some way, but... I think Grismer was kind of ahead of his time because this is a unique slasher. Here's why this is unique, and I'm not giving anything away. We know from pretty much the, the hop, as we like to say here at the GGTMZ, we know who the killer is. This film, yeah. this film is one of those films that lets the audience in. Uh, and you know from the beginning what's going on. So you got uh, Mark Soper playing Twins. Um, double duty, right? Yeah, double duty, uh, which is, essentially means uh, a change of clothes and a and a change, and a of, change hair. of hair. <laughs> yeah, it's always great when the twins uh, <laughs> rock two different hairstyles. But that I mean, but that's smart. That's the easiest way to that's the, recognize yeah. that they're different, right? And it makes sense too from keeping your viewer clear on who's who, yes. right? Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, the the film. Starts out in the drive-in. It got very much in very, very, well, at least for me, uh, definitely for me, a very 80s nostalgia type feel. Oh, big uh, time. The concession stand feels real. I mean, they, I know they shot it at a real uh, uh, drive-in in New Jersey, oddly. Um, I'll go figure. And uh, it feels very, very real. Um, <laughs> one of my notes here, I, it must have been from the drive-in scene. I'm thinking it because I says Sonny Bono gets no play. I think there's one of the yeah. there's an actor who trying to get into some uh, some other girl's pants and he can't get into him and I, I thought he looked like Sonny Bono. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what the the driving scenes are good because this is one of the hornier drive-ins. <laughs> it, it is, man. Everyone's into. I think they're putting that Spanish fly in the uh, yeah, yeah. in the soda because everyone's getting naked. Like <laughs> I, you know, in my younger days, I've I've had a few uh, encounters at the drive-in. I don't think it's wise when there's many people to get completely ass naked <laughs> you know you can pull your pants down a little bit you keep your t-shirt on yeah you the, know the drive is like, about you don't, subtlety you don't get and, naked in yeah. the back seat of the car man yeah. that's a ggtmc pro tip <laughs> yeah the, the drive-in the, the, the thing about the drive-in is, is is essentially you're getting off on the idea of having sex in public and that's what my, my theory has always been so you shouldn't it doesn't it doesn't mean you should get you know asshole oh, naked take off everything yeah yeah, I mean, it's you know, of course, in in the modern era, kind of like modern porn, maybe that is what people do at the drive-in. I don't know. I don't go any. I, there's no drive-ins around me anymore. But, um, you know, this one, you know, this is a, a horny drive-in. I mean, for some, maybe this uh, sounds a little crass, but not for me, because if you know Sammy, you know, uh, I'm a fan of uh, certain types of females. But, you know, I mean, even the, the Louise Lasser uh, boyfriend, he's horny as hell, you know. And Louise Lasser, oh, yeah, who stars is. this film, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, uh She's got a unique look and a unique uh, way of speaking, and <laughs> sadly for she her, sure does. she really kind of gets hung out to dry here in a couple moments of emotional turmoil oh, in this man, film. Does she ever? Oh, <laughs> uh, I wonder if Emily's seen it. This feels to me like when she when she does a couple of these emotional moments, it feels like to me like something Emily would like. Uh, I feel like this is a deadly doll slasher. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. a Matsuzaka. Yeah, this this totally. Well, Matsuzaka totally. does love this one. I know he loves it. So That makes is, sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense if you know Matt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a horny drive-in. I mean, the Louise Lasser one's even more uncomfortable because it's the early 80s, of course. I understand cinema was different. But there's two twin boys in the back. And, and uh, you know, the boyfriend's trying to get in that Dat Lasser, uh, you know, Dat Lasser Punani there. He's trying to get in there. Yeah, he sure is. And I, I can't blame him because I got a soft spot for some Lasser. 
But Ooh, uh, man, I I don't for some reason. I don't know what it is. Uh, for me, I normally know, we're we're sympathetical, but uh, for me, I know what it is. It's the teeth. And don't, and don't get me started. Yeah, you're right, man. Because one of my notes is HD does no favors for Lazarus teeth. Yeah, and I, I don't want to sound like an asshole. You no, know, no, no, but, no, 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 no. Come on, come on. We we, we we're having fun here. We're not. We're not. You know, Louise Lazarus, great, great individual. We, I mean, of course, yeah, I don't know she, she seems wonderful. But uh, so they're they're. <laughs> They're in that uh, old station wagon, and man, I love those the shagging wagon. Yeah, the shagging wagon. I love those old station wagons. I love those old back doors. I used to have one of those. I didn't used to have one of those. I grew up when my mom and dad had one of those, and you can never get out of that thing without it making like the loudest cranky noise because those doors opened on two hinges on the side. They kind of opened like a car door, and without fail, because of the heaviness and the you know the width and length of that door. Without fail, like within like six months of owning that car, that thing would sound like you know like a haunted house wooden door opening. Yeah, no way those kids are sneaking out of that door. No way. No, no. And uh, these kids are just you know one of them's a you know a psychopath from the get go, and the other one is uh, not. So the other one is in the <laughs> wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So then we kind of fast forward into uh, the rest of the story proper, kind of present day, quote unquote. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Todd is uh, Todd's the one that gets put in uh, psychiatric ward, right? It was Todd. Yeah, I think it was. I yeah, believe yeah, Todd. it yeah. is. Yeah, Todd is the one that gets put in the psychiatric ward. He really, uh, he really dislikes. Uh, oh, poor Todd. Yeah, I got a raw deal, man. Yeah, he does. He really dislikes uh, whatever that gift Louise Lazar brings him. He really. He really puts his hands through that thing. I don't know what that was. Some kind of treat or something. I don't know. He really yeah. just likes it, though. Anyway, uh, and then Terry uh, ends up uh, having a normal life, which is, you know, frat house kind of antics and, you know, hanging out with uh, sleeveless shirts and easily one of the loosest ties ever worn at a dinner table. Uh, he has a... He does. It is a very loose tie. There's a lot of pop collars in this... Uh, in this there film. are <laughs> to, the point, really to the point to the point that it's a wonder somebody didn't get cut these collars are so popped i mean these yeah things. there's no bruised uh <laughs> under chin like they, there's a lot of collars popped in yeah this. it's got that 1983 uh fast times of ridgemont high look there brah it does it really does and that's why when it says 87 87 you know that's four years but you got to remember you know we grew up then there's a very different look from eighty seven to eighty three, there is. I mean, there's a very like different fashion, look. and I was, in, was a very different time. Yeah, I started high school in eighty seven. I graduated in ninety one. Everything changed in those four years. Everything. Oh, big time, man. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in eighty seven, nobody was wearing African prints. By ninety one, everybody was wearing that shit. Everybody was, including <laughs> me in junior high. Nice. Yeah, that Africa bombada. Yeah, man. Northern Canadian look. That's right. Actually, not North. I can't call you Northern Canadian because you're not Northern Canadian. (laughs) But I'm North to everyone else. Yeah, you're North. Yeah. I see. When I say South of the border, you you guys think of Mexico, but uh, you're South of the border. Yeah. I mean, I don't even feel like I'm South because, you know, like I said, we're right at the border. But anyway. um, So, yeah, like we said, the very late slasher, but only in terms of way it's released. Uh, it eluded me for years. Uh, I, I don't I never saw this in any way, shape or form until this show. Uh, before no, I, I didn't either. I, I remember the uh, the box art. I remember the knife. Um, I think I had moved on from slashers at this point in my life. I think it was one of the reasons why I didn't watch it. Yeah, you felt like you'd seen all the heavy hitters, right? Yeah, yeah. 
plus, you know, I mean, I was moving on to different territory and what I liked in cinema. And, you know, if it wasn't a sequel or something that I felt like I had to, con- <laughs> I don't even know why I thought this, but I needed that continuation of that Jason mythology or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, yeah. I just didn't bother, um, which is kind of, you know, looking back, shame on me. But, you know, I, I, I'm, this is why labels like Arrow and these boutique labels exist, because the care they have put into this very small, very regional uh, slasher film uh, with, you know, Louise Lasser as the biggest uh, actor in the film. I mean, Ted Raimi's in there briefly as a condom salesman. A hot minute, yeah. <laughs> Which is such a bizarre little... I, I mean, I guess it's a normal... I mean, I, I don't know. I never met any condom salesman in any of my days in the bathrooms anywhere. That seemed like such a high school thing. <laughs> but <laughs> It does feel like it belongs in like a like a porkies kind of... Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Uh, it's a silly moment. I, as a matter of fact, I had to do a double take. I'm like, man, it looks like that's Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi. Did I say Sam Raimi? Ted Raimi. I thought you said Ted. Even if you said Sam, I knew you meant Ted. <laughs> yeah. But I had to look. I was like, I had to look, do a double take. I was like, I think it's Ted. It looks like Ted. And Mark Soper, I knew from uh, The World According to Garp. I don't know if you've ever seen that. but Garp's always eluded me. I've picked yeah. up the book a few times, put it down. Well, then I won't DVR'd say. DVR'd it, put yeah. it down. I won't say on the air then what Mark, who Mark Soper plays because you haven't seen it. But for those okay. of you who've seen. Uh, Garp. Mark Soper has a very, very memorable moment in Garp. So uh, I'll just leave it there. Um, it's kind of a hodgepodge slasher in some ways. It, it's it's fun because it kind of mixes everything uh, to kind of together. Uh, again, I, I think Grismer may have been ahead of his time. Uh, not that I think he was trying to be, but I think that, you know, he just thought, you know, this is kind of a, it's really brightly shot. There's not a lot of mood to this thing uh, as far as lighting goes. Uh the, day, the night scenes feel like they they don't feel like they're shot day for night, but they're very well lit. Like you can see everything. But because the people in the apartment building needed their lights, it was yeah. safe. Yeah. <laughs> There's some really uh, great moments of that's not cranberry sauce. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's also. I think it's on the cover, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's pretty great, you know, because it's also a Thanksgiving slasher. People always say, you know, they wish Eli Roth would make his, uh, his, uh, that little, uh, a film of that little trailer he did, but this is kind of a. This is kind of this a Thanksgiving is, slasher, right? This is the Thanksgiving slasher, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's kind of fun that way. It's real simple. It's a real simple story. It's got good. It's got real stupid, fun gore. I think it does have. I think fantastic, practical. Well, of course, practical because yeah. in the era, but the effects are tremendous. Yeah. First, I mean, you talk about. Um, I, I'm trying to look now, and I'm, I'm kind of vamping here on the air. But do you remember what the effects guy or team? ended up doing because i know they went on to be like pretty renowned afterwards uh i'm gonna look into the full cast and crew here while you say that is it, was it ed french uh oh, he ed, worked on terminator 2 yeah, ed french American is in the film Sniper. too as well yeah yeah, yeah uh, star that. trek 6 there he is yeah uh yeah yeah he's still working actually he's worked doing, on some big things he uh just recently did Channing Tatum dances at Prank Magic Mike XLL screening. He did some makeup effects yeah. for that. <laughs> Hellraiser Bloodline. I mean, he's worked on some oh, did, major stuff. Did Cooties, which was a, uh, you know, a zombie oh, film, yeah. essentially. Oh, he did The Dead Girl, which I really didn't like, but the effects uh, the, the makeup was quite good. Oh, The Dead Girl's not the one I thought it was. I thought Oh, The Dead Girl's that um was well. that um Brittany Murphy it's a really sad movie. Tony Collette, Marsha Gay Harden film. Oh, okay. I was thinking of just Dead Girl, not The Dead Girl. He's done quite a bit of stuff. You're right. Ooh, man. he did the makeup for White Chicks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just saw that. He Yikes. did it for, 
Yeah, he's done quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Well, he's, he's an accomplished guy, but they clearly. Oh, Sleepaway Camp he worked on. Exterminator 2. This was his last acting gig, we should say. <laughs> Geek Maggot Bingo or The Freak from Suck Weasel Mountain. Yeah. I think that's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that stars. Uh, yeah, Richard Hill, who's a punk rock guy. Yeah, I know Richard Hill. Yeah. And Quasimodo Residue as the boner. Yeah, that's a fake punk rock name, wow. unfortunately, but yeah, that's a great name. Uh, yeah, no, he didn't. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even. The stuff. Yeah, I didn't even realize all the stuff he'd done. He did Vampire's Kiss, which is the uh, one of the bizarre Nick Cage films. Yeah, Creepshow 2, Mutant Hunt, which has, right before this Mutant Hunt, which has one of the great VHS covers of all time. Ooh, it's a little Paul Blart Malkapa special fix. I didn't. <laughs> so he's, he's worked all over the place, right? And, yeah. uh, an accomplished guy. And this is clearly. Grisner, uh, Gris, Grisner, Grismer, Grismer uh, was able to uh, have an eye on someone with some real talent, like to stretch that dollar. The practical effects, like you said, they're dumb and rompy in some ways, but there's nothing subtle about them. But then again, there's nothing subtle about this film. And and to Grismer's credit, he's not trying to be subtle. No, the gore. You watch a, a slasher film for the nudity and the gore, and yeah, this, this delivers is, both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is over the top. It's. Uh, it's. Uh, I think it, it knows exactly what it is, which is why Absolutely. I think it. You know, it has a it has a bright future as a cult film. Uh, yes. If it wasn't a cult film for some already, it wasn't for me. But it'll be a it'll be a slasher. I'll show people uh, going forward. I yeah, can tell you that. fun kind of party party slasher. Oh right? yes, yeah, certainly, certainly a party slasher, no doubt. The acting is, you know, questionable in spots, so that's fun. Uh, it is fun. Uh, the like I said, the gore is great. Um, the pop collars, they're great. <laughs> Yeah, they are. Uh, they are. Uh, <laughs> That's we, why Matsuzaka likes it. Yeah, so wish, yeah, I could see him rocking the pop collar and the loose tie with the sunglasses down on the bridge of the nose. Oh, yeah, that's a Matsuzaka look. We know it. That is. Yeah. <laughs> the, whole, the whole time telling me Tom Brady's the greatest ever. Tom Brady's the greatest ever, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, I miss Matt. I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, uh, man. I know he's daddy cool now, too, just yeah. like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, just falling in love like the rest of us have. Yeah. Uh, we should also say the scores done by Richard Einhorn. Oh, Dickie Einhorn, the Richard Einhorn. Uh, he also yeah. did the, he did the Prowler. So there's a little. I bit love of the there. score for this. It's good. It's good. Yeah, man. It's weird um, in the context of, or in the um, sort of hall or the canon of of slasher films, because it's very much an energetic synth score. Yes. Yes. It, it doesn't feel necessarily organic to the film, no. but the film, all these years on, is all the better for it because mm-hmm. it adds to the unique feel. Yes, it's got like a cool synth score, like which one of my big gripes with a lot of slasher films is American. Well, slasher films are American, really. Yeah, they are synonymous with America, but is how lazy ass the scores are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uninspired, but this one's a unique score. Like if you if you were to talk to someone, you know, people like in our group and stuff about slasher films, probably one of the first few things they would mention about this film is that, that kind of crazy synth score, which you know I like quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Things kind of amp up as we go along. Uh, there's a really great, <laughs> there's a really kind of great uh, severed body uh, oh, scene yeah. that's kind of gruesome and awful, and the, the Loomis of the piece, right? Yeah, and a badly. <laughs> <laughs> badly, badly acted, but uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. fun, you know. It really is. It is. That that doctor, by the way, she is 
She is dreadful in the movie. I don't know what the, her what you the know, actress's name is, but I'll tell you something. You were into Louise Lasser. I was into her. Doctor Berman, Marie, Marianne Cantor. Oh, Marianne Cantor. Okay, I was more into her. And she, you know what, man? She did. She did. She did the pawnbroker. Um, what? Are, I know her from something. From <laughs> the Sammy Search, maybe. I don't no, know. no, no, no. Sammy Search there. Oh, Blood I Rage liked was, her. Blood Rage was her last film. Interesting. Wow, that was her Blood Rage was her swan song. Oh, she was a producer on Blood Rage. How about that? There you go. But um she was man, I can't believe she was in the pawnbroker. That was the first thing she did, so kind of broke in pretty hardcore there. And then, no pun uh, intended. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Devil's Angels from sixty six. Biker film. Biker film. Who's in that one? Totally. Oh, John Cass. That's oh, that's a John Cassavetes. Mimsy Farmer, John Cassavetes. Oh yeah, I've Mark never, Cavell, Buck Taylor. I've always meant to see this. I've never seen this one. Oh my gosh, Nye Bonet's in it. That's I think that's uh, Lisa Bonet's mom. Oh yeah, we should we should check this one out sometime. Buck. Oh man, there's a dude in it. There's two bucks in the cast. Oh, one man. of them is Buck Cartalian. I wonder if that's how much it costs to make. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Russ Bender. Nice. We had a we had a, we ooh. Yeah, we might have to check this out at some point. I've never seen I this. I think at some point we got to do a William Smith biker film. <laughs> if for nothing else, yeah. then for us to destroy our voices doing William Smith uh, impersonations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is re- evidently this film is referenced in Inglorious Bastards. How's it referenced in Inglorious Bastards? I have no idea. Yeah, how do you work that in? Uh, well, leave it to Tarantino. He'd, he'd find a way. Right. 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 Okay. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, I, we definitely—I I need to see that. I, I, I knew Cassavetes did some of those types of films, but I've never seen that one. Devil's Angels. I don't know how that one's escaped me all these years. Anyway, that's such a biker film title. I know, I know. Um, so, like I said, things do amp up. The gore amps up. Uh, the kills amp up quite a bit. Uh, there's a really fun kind of sex on the diving board scene, which uh, I don't know if that's uh, practical, but it—it looks nice. Looks great. Uh, not a wise move uh, in the real world. Nah, nah. I don't think so either. You know, I don't get me wrong. I've seen more than my fair share of sex on the diving board scenes, but usually not in R-rated movies, usually in <laughs> usually a little bit yeah. further up the chain. But uh, yeah. they usually don't don't look like this. Obviously, they're just laying there. But it's, it's a great look. It's a great look. It, like I said, this film is very well lit. Uh, and not, yeah, just, not just the way it's lit as in talent, but also it's very bright. So you can see everything. Um and it looks really great on Blu-ray. We should say that. I don't know if we said that enough. Of course, it does. Again, you know, the, the we're banging the drum, but uh, and and we should say that not only does this film look great and sound great, what a package Arrow's put together. This oh, yeah. is a three-disc package. Yeah, because it's, it's three different cuts, right? Yeah. There's Nightmare there's Shadow the, Woods. There's Blood Rage, and then there's a combination of both. I think a composite. Yeah. And it I watched. Really, I watched the composite cut. I don't know what you watched. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did as well. Okay. And then, but there's just a boatload, a boatload of special features. Yes, there is. There's, and I didn't a get beautiful, into so many, like I a, couldn't get into them. <laughs> there's so many, you know, commentaries and interview with Louise Lasser, uh, a good interview with Ed French, of course, talking about his history in the film business and some of the key uh, kind of gore stuff in Blood Rage. Um, and Marianne Cantor, of course, the uh, nice. Dr. Loomis of the film. Talks about uh, you know how she was able to swing getting the dough for the film and shooting in Jacksonville, where our uh, friend of the show uh, Alan Ricks is from. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was looking around. I saw it was shot in Jacksonville in, in 83, but I, I, I was recent. Well, I wasn't recently, but about 10 years ago, I was in Jacksonville. I was kind of looking around, see if I saw anything I may have noticed, but I didn't see anything. Sadly, I'd like to head back down there, though, and do that, that Blood Rage uh, location scout. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure some of those buildings are still there. I wonder if that apartment still exists. I don't know. It's very cool, though. But, yeah, I would say this is a fun, uh, silly uh I wouldn't say it's super well. I mean, it, this is this kind of borders on that weird spot, right? Where you, you say it's a fun, silly, and really kind of well-made slasher film. There's parts of it where I think it's kind of clunky, but I, I think course, I yeah. think that's par for the course for the genre. I don't think it's a it genre kind of. I mean, outside of your Halloweens and maybe, oh, not your Halloweens, Halloween. Oh, and maybe a few, maybe maybe, <clears throat> man, maybe maybe not. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like artistically relevant, and I, and, I'm not, and I say that, and I don't mean it in a bad way. I'm just talking about general, genu, genuine shit masterpieces of the genre made by genuine masters. Uh, obviously, uh, Halloween jumps to the top for me, but ma- well, um, Maniac, maybe. Oh yeah, man, there, there's a good example, Maniac, Angst. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's and, European, right? Yeah. So it kind of doesn't be different. Yeah, it kind of gets into a different world, but different mindset uh, in terms of their approach. To it's certainly making. that's certainly more bleak than your American slasher. Uh, I don't think American slashers were ever <laughs> were ever as bleak as Angst. Uh, Henry, Henry, but that's because it's yeah, Henry's. Yeah, Henry, Mc, Henry is a, is a great film because I love it and it repulses me at the same time. I don't want to watch it. I, I watched it when I was. This I have a really talk about the callousness of our youth. Yeah. I got a blowjob the first time I watched that film. I was getting a blowjob during the TV smashing on the head scene. Nice, nice. Yes, that's the and, that's you. Uh, geez, I think about how callous that was. And well, you know, it, it, callous or you know, youth. I mean, that's two different things. You know, that's yeah. You're not doing it now, so no, no. I God, I would <laughs> never do it now. <laughs> get that? Oh man, get that dead blowjob during the act of killing. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah exactly oh but yeah I'll, I'll definitely show this to people like i want to show this to my brother uh we grew up watching slashers together he's never yeah, seen this either brother, yeah. yeah and I, I want to show it to him because it's fun you know it's got that great sticky blood on the machete that that's always a great touch and uh oh, yeah. yeah man it's really really good I'm, I'm i'm glad that they put this out because some people had talked about it in our group and uh some people we respect but you know late cycle slasher i thought you know uh, mileage may vary so, yes, but I'm glad I checked it out. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I've been very vocal about my. Um, I think. Well, I can't remember the term you had used. Um, my fatigue, mm, yes. right? Because I consumed so many when I was young that some of the ones I didn't get around to, I just I couldn't get down with. I was tired of them. They felt lazy. They felt formulaic. This was a breath of fresh air. You know, some of the other late cycle ones, or maybe not even late cycle, but some of the ones that are underseen that I really liked. I really like New Year's Evil. Is it New Year's Evil? Yeah. With yeah. the radio call-in host with the New Year's Eve show. and um, Yeah. No lot, one you and I... A lot of them are... Like, New Year's Evil, what I always think about is it, it's good. I like it. But that that's a great example of what I remember, the, the nostalgia of Slashers, is that... You it know, was we, in the golden era, right? Yeah, we were always looking. We were always looking for those things, and... And uh, they they didn't have to be good. They just had to they just had to be. They had to follow the formula, right? <laughs> yes. But this was that was a bit. It was a bit of a high concept 
uh, one. And they, even the one, I can't remember the name of it now. It's like a sorority house one where the women, the girls are told to leave the sorority house. They're not allowed to go up in the attic. Do you remember that one where they think they killed the... Is that the house on Sorority Row? Might be the house on Sorority Row. It's really colorful. Looks great. I was really impressed with that when I saw it a few years ago too. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but there's some examples. But I was a bit kind of apprehensive, and then Arrow gives this a three disc, you know, five star gold star treatment, and um, they pack it full of special features, and it looks amazing. And one of the great things, and you and I spoke about this when we first started talking about Blu-ray films in the show, was how a lot of late mid to late eighties films. This is eighty three, but I think because of where they shot it, um, partially the overlit kind of nature of 80s films. But that works well here because Arrow's done a good job cleaning it up so we can see everything and we can see the detail and it adds sort of a nostalgic charm to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I want to give credit too to Richard Einhorn, the uh, the guy that composed it. Um, he also did, um, yeah, you did mention The Prowl, he did Eyes of a Stranger, Don't Go in the House. He did Shockwaves. Yeah. Uh, did a lot of documentaries. Um, I think it was the House on Sorority Road, directed by Mark Rosman. I, th- I think that was the one you're talking about. It's got a great poster. The is a, do you remember the poster had the purple background? I'm going to take a quick look as I'm talking here. I really dug that one. I thought that was one of my favorite. Uh, In 1983, late, yeah. late to the party slashers um, because there's. Oh yes, that's the one. That's okay. the one. Yeah. I really liked that one. I was no, very pleasantly one. surprised. It's a good one. Yeah. And then there's another one. Um, it's got a really famous – it almost feels like an American giallo. It's got like school in the title. It's got a British actress who is a bit of a sex pot. It, it totally is an American giallo. There's a very memorable oh. killing with a, with a merry-go-round. Oh, night school. Night school, I bet that's Night it. school. Night school. Yes, 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 yes. Rachel, Rachel Ward, I bet. Rachel Ward. She's Australian or British or something. Yeah. I think she's British, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I had, but had a lot of thoughts. A over, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about Rachel Ward growing up. Rachel Ward, yeah, but the Night School is another one that um, that's, a good that, one. that's totally when people talk about American Jolly, they don't talk about that one very much. But it's a good one. It's cool, yeah, for sure. But um, but yeah, this one's uh, you know great score, great listen, great score, great effects, relatively well shot. And you and I spoke about this the other night when we were talking about Flesh and Bullets, which we're going to talk about next week. Um, or later this week, we don't know yet. Or later this week, yeah. <laughs> Depending on yeah. you know time and how, money, uh, and time and schedules go. But <laughs> yeah. um, the worst thing a low budget film can be, or any film for that matter, is boring. They let it all hang out here uh, with this film, yeah. And the actors go for it. They, you know, uh, for better or worse, Marianne Cantor and Louise Lasser and the cast go for it. They don't try to hide some deficiencies they may have. They let them go with it. They let the effects all be seen on screen. Mm -hmm. They score the film to the max. They take it to the limit. And it makes for more entertaining viewing. I agree. Naked people, you know, in the backseat of this, in their cars. Um, It just, it works really well. And uh, how about the, uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about this again next week. There's, There's another voiceover in this film. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I, I don't feel like you got a lot. Of, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, as much as it seems like it would be an obvious crutch for, especially sort of deranged people in films, voiceovers weren't as common as you would think. No, like, I think it'd be more prevalent. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, obviously, there's some critics who think the voiceover is a is a, a crutch. crutch for exposition, yeah. right? You and can't I shoot it. Yeah, and I understand that. Uh, it, well, first of all, it adds. It, Typically, voiceover adds a lot of 
to me, voiceover adds a lot of, uh, they say crutch, but it adds a lot of, um, story or background to your film if you got very if you got very little story you can add a lot of text and context to a film with a voiceover we're laughing i think because we both know that we're going to be talking about a lot of voiceover <laughs> when we talk about flesh and bullets which has multiple characters doing voiceover <laughs> yeah which as we've said is the most the most voice overed <laughs> yeah. film in the history of cinema yeah it really is i mean it's everyone gets a voiceover <laughs> yeah but I think the you know, voiceover always works for me. It, it never. I agree. No, I'm with you, especially when you're talking about ninjas. <laughs> Ninja. <laughs> it's always so good. I love. It. I love it. Oh, man. Ninjas. What do they want? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh man. She. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> those those who know what we're talking about, we, we won't spoil it. You know, if you know, you know. You're, yeah. you're in the club. That's right. You're in the club. Um, oddly, two of my favorite <laughs> slashers, if you want to call them slashers, two of the ones that I just mentioned a minute ago, both both have heavy voiceover. In fact, one of them, almost the entire film is a voiceover. That's Angst. Oh, yeah. And Maniac. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It allows you to get into the mind of someone whose mind can't rest. Mm-hmm. Which adds a layer to the film, which I think is what you were talking about, just to piggyback on what you were saying. Yes. I think it can be very effective in films. As much as some critics do, yeah, say, oh, it's a crutch. Yeah, it can be, but, you know, if you can't show it, then tell it, I guess, right? I mean, what do you want them to do? Leave us in the dark? You yeah. know? Yeah, really. Uh, uh, man, there's an awful veggie tray in this film at Thanksgiving. What a sad veggie tray that was. <laughs> what a sad, I felt like the Thanksgiving felt very sad to me. <laughs> I agree with you. I thought the same thing. I didn't put that in my notes, but I thought the same thing. It was a pretty sad. Depressed me to see. It's like <laughs> no A game was brought <laughs> with this Thanksgiving. It just felt very sad and pitiful, man. No. <laughs> um, Louise Lasser. She reminds me of who's the who's the woman you like. She was in. Um, no. You talking about uh, <laughs> Jesus? What what is her name? Oh man, we're, the Danny Elfman film. Yeah, we're so terrible with names anymore. When we started, the you show, knew who I meant. You yeah, yeah, yeah. When we started the show, I was so proud of the fact that I could name off names like, like this, like that. Remember, this is pre kids. You know, I, yeah. I could do this, and, I could do that. Priest, I mean, we get sleep. We would yeah. actually sleep, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, with before kids, you know, my whole life was movies, so I could think, you know, everything off the top of my head. Boom, 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 boom. Now my whole life is. Trying to find time to watch movies. <laughs> yeah, and bumbos and sippy cups. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Do we have enough milk? Do I need to go out and get milk? Do, we need to get milk. Uh, yeah. Shit. Why am I drawing a blank on her? She's one of my favorite people in all of movie oh, history. Are you drawing a few blanks on her? <laughs> all right. No, oh, there's no blanks coming out on that. There's no blanks, yeah. <laughs> no, trust me. <laughs> Yeah, she's. Uh, man, she was, let me let me just put it this way: there's lots of flesh and lots of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what the fuck's her name? Um, I'm gonna have to I'll look it up. Yeah, you go ahead and keep talking. I'll, I'll keep talking here. <laughs> um, but Louise Lasser doesn't feel very maternal to me in this. <laughs> well, yeah. Again, they they leave her way hanging way out. She's not to dry. She feels Susan Tyrell. A, Susan Tyrell. Fuck. Let me ask you, Sammy. Uh, Sophie's choice: Susan Tyrell or Louise Lasser? Oh, I gotta go Tyrell. She's. I knew you would go Tyrell. Tyrell's more confident, Buxom. sexual. Yeah, I like. I like a confident sexual woman. I like that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I like to be. Oh, I don't know if I should say this on the air. I like. I don't like to be dominated, but I like to be 
You like an assertive woman? Nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like assertion. There you go. The meek shall not inherit Sammy's yeah. earth. I like, yes, I like. I like command. I like it. I, I like it both ways. I don't like it. Uh, Sammy, when it, one as way a or the kid, other. Sammy wondered why he liked the Baroness so much on yeah. GI Joe. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> I have always been. Attra- I, I've always been attracted to authority, so it's all there. I do like. <laughs> I, I like a woman in charge. You know. Yeah. Let's put it this way: yeah. that that uh, that uh, those those clips on the internet, uh, the boss porn. I'm, I'm a big fan of boss porn. <laughs> You know what I'm talking Amazing. about. Amazing. I know what you're talking about, man. Of course I do. I love it. I love it when I love it when Lisa Ann's the boss. Oh yeah, don't we all? Yeah. Don't we all? She's great. Um Ooh, that Sammy confession. Yeah. <laughs> Flesh and bullets. Uh, yeah, here comes the Snidely Sneed snicker. Yeah. Um, um yeah. I love uh what does this say? Relax, baby. He's probably hiding in a closet. Oh, on one of the lines. Um, how about Dr. Berman, the Loomis of the film? He, she, she has this kind of bumbling, preppy, kind of beefcake pothead bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That He's, guy didn't. Uh, there's a lot of incompetent dudes. There's a lot of incompetent dudes in this. Uh, Louise Lasser's boyfriend, Brad. Uh, he's he's got to be, <laughs> not to make light of his lack of hearing, he's got to be maybe the, one of the most oblivious to his surroundings yeah. people in the history of cinema. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just, he's he's at his in his office, which walk out. When some, I got news for you. When someone's on the loose, you <laughs> yeah. don't want to be having your back turned to your walkout. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know that that's just not a good move. No, it's not. This also fits into that kind of subgenre of, um, you know, apartment building horror, like Toolbox Murders and, and Demons Two. Yeah, um, we should say as well. Uh, which you know, it's getting kind of good company there. Um, I think the the differences with this one, obviously, is I think those. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while since I've seen those. But those deal more with like a, a building, like you know, up and down vertical, right? Yeah, they are more vertical. Whereas this is more your, you know, ground level. <laughs> yeah, your ground level patio doors, you know, which adds an element of terror, obviously, to the vulnerability. Proceedings. Yeah, vulnerability. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. It does. Um, just you know, the the fashion plate in me couldn't help but notice that Doctor Berman. Brings her Gucci luggage, the Gu- Gucci luggage, her Gucci luggage yeah. <laughs> to look for uh, Todd. And I couldn't help but notice the brothers are named Todd, Ter- Todd and Terry. And Todd Terry is a like a, a legendary uh, New York City based house music DJ. Ooh, is he? So yeah, the first time I ever did Ecstasy um, was when Todd Terry was DJing in Toronto, like many moons ago oh interesting i just read that uh blue underground's putting full cheese manhattan baby out on blu-ray oh wow yeah this got that spanish actor in it who uh what's his name he looks like bob uh bob ross is it bob ross the painter in manhattan baby yeah uh, louise something or i can't re- i can't remember is bob ross the painter just a little bit yes, of color yes yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well they're the one louise may i think his happy, name is i'm guessing trees, yeah i don't know i don't remember Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked now. Yeah. Um, Bob Ross. Um, <laughs> fucking Todd Terry. Um, okay, so. Three-disc release of Manhattan, baby. 
Jesus. Well, there you go. Um, we live in an era where they put three disc releases of pieces out, which is awesome. Oh, it's Carlo de Mejo, not Luis Mejo. I was close. Um, I wish that... Uh, what, why did I say this? I wish Twin Van Dams were detectives. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Do I, I, mean, I probably wanted more Van Damme twin movies, I guess. Yeah. Do you think maybe it was because you kind of wish those guys were detectives in the film, the, the brothers? Maybe that's what it was. I probably wanted to see twin detectives hunting I mean, I these can, guys. I can, guy see, I can see that angle. I can see that angle. I would have liked it. would have added to the kind of bonkers feel. But I wish we had more yeah, twin, De- Van Damme mov- twin Van Damme movies and more twin detectives hunting twin killers, I guess. Uh, I put one sip of beer down. I don't know why I wrote that down, but, um, you know, anyway, that's what it is. Um, oh, we get the line, and they, I think you mentioned this. They really try to milk the it's not cranberry sauce line <laughs> yeah. as much as they can. Yeah, yeah they try I mean, it's 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 funny. It's a funny line. It's a it's one of the lines you remember. It's it's yeah. It's very memorable, certainly. Yeah. Uh, and I love. I w- I should say that I love the the box that this comes in the white box with like the uh, the cranberry sauce and it looks like it's hand painted. Looks quite good. I, I prefer that cover to the cover with Terry on it. Uh, yes, good. yes, I do as well. The one with Terry so. is is odd looking. Yeah, it doesn't quite work for me, with all due respect to the artist. Yeah. Um, how about uh, double denim, sleeveless, double denim, that's strong look, comes correct on Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, homegirl in the all-white looking for the cat. Uh, I don't know why I wrote that down. Oh, the dudes, I'll tell you what. When you got your girlfriends around, you can't be that excited to play pole position. Ooh, I gotta get up. Um, and not only can you not be that excited, but how awful are these? This how awful is this couple at playing pole position? Yeah, yeah. It's like Gator. Yeah, they're pretty bad. They're terrible, man. They're terrible at pole position. Um, too much wine, I think. I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, takes- Louise Lasser drinks a ton of wine in this. Yeah, she's a wino in this. Oh, yeah, she is a bit of a lush in this. Um, yeah, but I think, again, this ticks the boxes. Like we mentioned, there's nudity, there's sleaze, there's gore, it's bonkers. The the score is fun. It ticks all the boxes, um, I think, to make uh, to make for a good evening. Um, oh, she's such a kind of um, box wine wino in this. She kind of reminds me of like the low-rent version of uh, – was it Ronnie, Ronnie Lee Blakely, the mother in Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh, yes, that's her, yeah. She reminds me of – she's like the – the precursor to that. Um, you talked about the diving board sex scene. Um, there's a great anguish on the phone scene, I think, from last year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's uh, one of those moments where you can either say the director's leaving her out to hanging out to dry or it's an Oscar bait, <laughs> hopefully, totally. moment. But uh, she really goes yeah. for it, man. She's, she's throwing that Hail Mary up. I mentioned actually at the back end of my notes here, I put Italo with Marauder-esque score. It does feel a bit, a little bit Giorgio Moroder, which you know is a good thing in GGTMC land. And you know, we should mention our killer in this is very GGTMC in that he's wearing a sleeveless T-shirt. So, yeah. you know, he's coming correct. Yeah, man, but, there's a lot uh, of sleeveless T-shirts in there. A lot, a lot. So that's uh, that's all my notes. I believe that in 1983, there's some pictures of me 
and my brother together, and I believe I have a sleeveless shirt on like that. Oh, that's amazing. That was the era, though, you know, a lot of, a lot of muscle shirts in the early to mid-'80s. It's true. Uh, okay. Um, I'll make a break for this. Ooh, man, there's a lot of really kind of good moments. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one for me. Uh, I like the opening because of the nostalgia. I like yeah, the, I like the uh, Davenport because it's interesting. I'm going to go with the, the Dr. Loomis moment in the woods, though. <laughs> because it's fun again yeah. those those woods are really well lit <laughs> so they are uh very bright uh but yeah i'll go with that moment because that, that that was a lot of fun uh my mvt i'll go with uh you know i was gonna go with soper uh because i kind of enjoyed his two two sides of the coin performance mm-hmm. um but considering grismer only made two films I think I'm going to give it to Grismer because I don't know. I haven't seen Scalpel, so I don't know if Scalpel's great. But I like Soper a lot in this. Uh, he's kind of fun. He's kind of he's not one note, but he's kind of interestingly. He's kind of I don't know. He's kind of one note in both performances. It's very strange. But <clears throat> I'll give it. To, I'll give it to Grismer. Again, I haven't heard any of the commentary and stuff like that. I'll give this film a. I think I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a solid seven. I think it's really fun, really good. It's short. It works. Was it about eighty-two minutes? Or yeah, something? yeah. Mm-hmm. It works really well. And uh, again, it kind of plays its card right out in front. You know who the killer is the whole time, and I kind of like that. I, that's a to me, that's a touch that I like. I, I, I don't. I don't need for every time. I don't need uh, you know somebody to be wearing a mask. Yeah, we don't need an elaborate mask or costume, right? Yeah. They can be. This is just the evil twin thing, which works in of its evil twins, right? Yep. Evil child, but we fast forward a few years, so it's working on a lot of things, certainly. Um, okay, uh, my make or break scene is there's a hatchet to a face in this Pandifius. That works quite well for me. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it is a good one. There's good kills in this uh, movie. Good ones. There is good kills, which again, what do you want from a slasher, right? Yep. So uh, it gives you that. My MVT, I could go with Grismer because I think he does make a fun film. I think if he had been more prolific, I think we see someone who understood that he was trying to cater to a market that was going to leave a bit of an imprint where he has no pretension about what he's making. He's going to make something for the VHS market that's going to be fun, memorable. It's going to have some kills. It's going to be gory. It's going to be some nudity. And he just got the band together and they all had fun making a film and, you know, uh, and it works for me. So uh, kudos to him. I want to say that. But I'm going to give the MBT to – and I guess this kind of ties in with him. It's just kind of the attention to technical detail between the effects and the score because they work really well. And in spite of you know being a low-budget film, they, they do work quite well. Uh, my f- score for the film is a 6.75. It's right below yours. This was a fun you know late-cycle slasher that I'd never seen either and uh, I'm very happy I have because uh, like you said, I definitely want to show it to people that – you know, looking, you know, I don't usually like to use the word cheesy, not really my word of choice, but I think this kind of fits that if you're looking for something kind of fun, rompy, cheesy, I think it, it works quite well. And, you know, good on Grisma for, for yeah. I think more importantly, good on Arrow at this point for allowing this to uh, have a second life. Nice, nice slice of cheesecake from the mid 80s. Yes. Sleeveless cheesecake. Nothing wrong with, uh, yeah, nothing wrong with sleeveless cheesecake. I can tell you that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the big show this week. We got ten minutes until uh, Sammy's uh, time is up. I've been uh, been 
put the <laughs> given the ultimatum. Uh, no, that's right. Um, but yeah, no, we want to thank everybody again for hanging in there during this kind of bumpy time during our schedules. Uh, again, we'll get through this. We always get through it. And, uh, you know, occasionally you'll get one show every two weeks. Occasionally you'll get one show a week. Occasionally you'll get two shows a week, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get back to one a week. I promise. Be patient. <laughs> Hang in there, everybody. Like Axel said. Yeah. Sooner or later, our Chinese democracy will release. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next week or later this week, you'll hear us talk about uh, a couple Vinegar Syndrome releases. Um, Flesh and Bullets from 1985, maybe? Yep. And uh, sometimes Aunt Martha crazy. does. Yeah. Sometimes Aunt Martha. Well, I can check real quick. It's right here in fucking front of me. I don't know why I didn't it look. It is. It is. It totally is. Yeah, 85. And then uh, sometimes Aunt Martha does Dreadful Things from 1971. A couple of Vinegar Syndrome releases on DVD. And... Uh, Looking forward to talking about those. Lot, lot to discuss there. Well, again, we were going to try to record it this morning, but uh, not in the cards. As you can see, not in the cards. Yeah. Went back to our you know, normal thing where we do 45 minutes on 80-minute long films. <laughs> 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 That's what we do here at the GGTMC. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll be next week or later this week again. I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this now. Well, no, I'll save it. We, but our Diabolic show is coming up. I'll save what we're covering, but. I'll save it to say at the end of the next show, regardless of when we do it, if we do it this week, if we do it next week, we'll see. But yeah, that's it, man. I don't really have anything else. You got anything else you want to throw out there? No. Also, I guess I said no, and then I immediately said something without taking a breath. Um, I do want to start mentioning some of our friends' shows that are out there. So, you know, friends that are doing some good work. And I will get back to that, too. It's something behind the scenes we've kind of discussed. So that we got away from. We feel there's a lot of people, friends that yeah. have supported us and we don't want them to feel like it's every man for himself now. Um, yeah. You know, we want to let our friends know that, you know, we'd love to support what they're doing. Good movies for bad people, you know, newer shows that are starting out, uh, as well as some of our longtime friends, Cult of Muscle and Mary with Click of Silver and Gold and love on and on it goes, and, right? Yeah. yeah, love that so, album and Mary with Click. Yeah, you said Love that album, absolutely. Chin Stroker right? and so, Punter, they're still working. Chin Punter. Yeah, well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of great friends doing great things. Uh, if you like our show, so yep, a lot of great shows still out there, and uh, new ones pop up all the time. So yeah, but these are we're mostly we're we're talking about uh, people that we actually consider friends. So we should, <laughs> we should yes, yeah. But you know, occasionally I'll come across one that I like to push on people. So if you're a, I'll just say this: if you're a true crime type person, if you're into that kind of thing, check out Sword and Scale. I'll say that. Yeah, it's really good. It might, oh, nice. might be abysmal to some, though, because it deals with some pretty ugly material. Um, not, 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 in a, not in an exploitive way. I mean, it, it gives facts, but it just, you know, if you don't want to listen to about the awful side of humanity, I have a fascination about the awful side of humanity. I'll say this. Bryn, check out Sword and Scale, because <laughs> me and him I both have it, a fascination with that side of the world. I thought of Bryn last night, actually. I was uh, on my way home, stuck in traffic, and I just it struck me. It struck me a few times, but I'll, I'll get on Spotify, and I was looking for, like, old, like, a hort. Hort, short kind of horror stories or like 25, 30 minute kind of uh, Twilight Zone-esque radio mm-hmm. plays to listen to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I listened to a good one last night. I think it was called The Suicide Club. And it was read by or it was acted out by Laurence Olivier. Oh, nice. Um, it was pretty good. 25 minutes long. So if anyone has any suggestions for shows or resources to find those... Um, or some good ones to check out over there. They've caught over the years. Maybe they're on YouTube or something. I, another one I did a few, around Halloween was about a man who falls down the side. of a famous story. I think it was written by Bradbury, maybe. Falls down the side of a 
a mountain lands in a valley that's impenetrable unless you fall down a mountain, basically. And everyone in the village is blind, and he's the only man that can see. And he thinks he's very quickly going to rule the land, and it has him in the end um, like a village full of iron sheiks. They make him humble, uh, and he becomes. They think he's insane because he's made. They think he's making things up about what he's seeing because no one there can see, and no one has ever been able to see. And um, it's a really, really fantastic story. But anyway, if anyone has any sort of that that uh, suggestions in that realm for me, I've been digging into some of those lately. So maybe Eric Peterson, uh, if he's listening, or Bryn, or anyone else. Uh, yeah. So we're just uh, bumbling and stumbling here. But uh, yeah. I want to thank you to Arrow for, as always, uh, yes, you know, taking care of us. Um, we're again so happy to be aligned with a label that really is a gold standard for what they're doing. Uh, we have some more exciting stuff coming up from them, including a, an exciting uh, three-film release um, pretty soon. Uh, yes, because some good stuff from, coming uh, Yeah, so anyway, uh, I guess that's it, right? I'm, yep, I'm, I'm going to keep stumbling unless I, I cut myself off. That so. is it. There's only one last thing to say, and that is adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 